What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 265th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ. And boy, what a what a disaster of a Mother's Day here. <laughs> to round off this wonderful day, I have Will with me. I have a mother, and she's wonderful, and she's not a disaster, even though this day has been one, supposedly. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I argued with my mom for a good uh, hour yesterday, and with that being said, I have Micah here. Hello. Speaking of arguing with mothers, uh, I love my mother, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> have you argued with your mother yet today? No, I actually sent her a very kind message at, right away at 5 a.m., and I'm assuming she was sleeping. I was us sleeping. Did I just say us sleeping? Yeah, that's a word. It's okay. I'm assuming she was asleeping, and she woke up when she heard it and responded. It sounded nice. a little delirious. I believe I texted my mother at the same moment that you texted yours. Yeah. And we clogged up the internet with Happy Mother's Day texts. Kindred mother, Mother's Day souls. Well, if you, mm. if you are a mother listening to this, Happy Mother's Day. This obviously comes out on Monday, the day after Mother's Day, so uh, your day is over. Hey, shout out to all <laughs> the moms. If, you, if you're a mom, uh, happy belated Mother's Day. I'm glad Steve and I like agree, because like, one of my coworkers had a birthday on Friday, and she worked from home, and everybody was like, well, are you guys going to do something nice on Monday? And I was like, uh, no, her birthday's on Friday. She ain't here. No party. Done. <laughs> Mother's wow. Day over. Oh, it's come and gone. Uh, happy 2018, mom. You guys are the worst. <laughs> we got a really great show for you guys. We got some Pokemon news. Like we always do. And then, and then, and then, say it with me. And then. And then. And then. And then. And then. Is that, from, is that have, from Better Off Dead? I have no clue what that is. And it then. is, isn't it? I don't need TV. I don't, is it a TV show? Is it a movie? I don't movie. need movie. I don't need that to, to spark my creative podcasting more words. Uh, and then we have an interview with Joe from Serebii, a very tiny fan-made site they don't get a lot of traffic not not, not a lot of people have heard of Serebi, so we really want to we really want to you know give them the push you know what site is this <laughs> boost boost their their clicks yeah boost their clicks. Give, give them some attention no joe joe runs uh easily one of the most i i, I think it's it's neck and neck between bubblepedia and Serebi of of the the top two pokemon sites out there so uh, we've had him on the show before. He's uh, he's a great guy. So we'll have an interview with Joe. His thoughts with uh, future Pokemon games. Uh, his current thoughts on Sun and Moon, and you know just your general Pokemon related questions. After that, we will do a couple emails, and then we will do our Pokemon of the week. So that is the show for you guys today. I have been using Cerebi for an extremely long time, and it, I use it almost exclusively because I've been using it so long. Uh, I have it loaded on my computer right now, but only because they uh, he listed out where the Zygarde cells are in such a nice format. It's very <laughs> easy to follow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's still a thing to do in, in Sun and Moon. I've been playing Pokemon pretty much this entire weekend, nonstop I forgot almost. About, I forgot about Zygarde cells, too. I forgot that Sun that's, and Moon was a game. <laughs> oh, I have nine Zygarde cells left to find. And boy, oh boy, thank goodness for Netflix. What have you, off topic real quick, what are you watching on Netflix? 
Well, I just finished watching the program that should not be spoken of. Bushy Bushy Road? No. Digimon? The one Bushy, about Bushy? The, the one about the teenagers that's so controversial. But I also watched Dear White People, which was a really great series. I, I recommend everybody watch that. That pops up every time I turn on Netflix and I I'm looking forward to watching it, but it is so far so I'm just coming to Netflix to rewatch Twin Peaks. Mm, mm. Is is it on Twin Peaks? I mean, is it Netflix is on Twin Peaks. They got they Twin, get service up there. <laughs> Twin Peaks is definitely on Netflix. And if you haven't watched Twin Peaks, you should watch it because it's very strange and it's very good and it's iconic. And nah. Yeah, it is I was the, the uh, s- only person in this conversation who used to watch it, you know, on Wednesday nights every week when is it, it came is out. It, isn't it the like third the X-Files? Season, I don't, I'm not the, interested in that. The third season is starting next Sunday. I feel like yeah, 25 years later. I'm very I feel like excited. it can't live up to the hype. I feel like it can. And I feel like if <laughs> Travis were here, we would be sharing this excitement together. Well, they're not. I believe so. Travis. But, but also, you have to understand, Steve, uh, Twin Peaks is not like the X-Files. Twin Peaks is like Days of Our Lives, except with That's witches. worse. That It's it's incredible. That because sounds they terrible. Played, they played everybody to think that it was a soap opera, and then they turned it into sci-fi insanity, and I'm I not, love it. I'm not interested in this. Yeah, I guarantee right. you would hate it. Oh, oh, Steve definitely would, but Steve's mostly wrong about most everything. Most how how can I be wrong about hating something? I either like hey, it or I happy don't. happy Mother's Day. Here's the thing. I don't watch a lot of TV. Everything I do watch on TV is so watered down and pointless to watch anyways that it is just background noise for me. Is this your way of segueing into Eurovision? Yeah, that, well, that was disappointing. <laughs> how did you even watch that? I I don't know how people watch that in uh, this the, country. There's a there's a Reddit there's a subreddit for Eurovision, and then it had like links for people, and it's like if you're America, click here. If you're Lithuania, click here. If you're Australia, click here. Somebody did the work. I just clicked the link. Anyways, Understood. anyways, let's get to some Pokemon news. Uh first bit of news here is. Pidgeotite, Steelixite, Heracrossite, the, I hate these words, <laughs> Houndoomite are now available in Sun and Moon with a universal code. That universal code is Azul, A-Z-U-L. These megastones will allow Pidgeot, Steelix, Heracross, and Houndoom to mega evolve. While the Pidgeot and Steelix were previously available to participants, of the Kanto vs. Alola Regional Rumble Wi-Fi tournament. This is the currently the only way to obtain Heracrossite and Houndoomite in Pokemon Sun and Moon. No end date for the code has been announced. So isn't... Well, first off, I was going to text you when I saw that came out, and then I realized I'd probably get a mean reply because you probably already knew that Pidgeotite was was out, and oh, I didn't I'm, need to tell you. I'm on top, yeah, I'm on top of the, the Pokemon news. Yeah. Wasn't Azul, like, the bad guy from Ghostbusters 2? Azul means blue in Spanish. I thought Azul was that, that, mean, that it's game, also, that that, the, the swimming game. It's also a location in Brazil? Mm-hmm. It's also probably a Crayola crayon. Probably. So you're telling me it wasn't the bad guy from Ghostbusters 2? You know, it could have been. I mean, it just sounds like something that the 80s would have thought was a bad thing. Nope, you know what? Azul. Remove that A. Get that A out of there. It's Zool. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's two U's. 
Z-U-L-L. Z-U-U-L? So, once again, Pokemon trying to um, trick our children into worshipping demons. I don't understand. Why, no... why, why is it a Zool? Why is it not like P-S-H-H? I mean, like, am I missing something? Is there like a hidden reference here? It's not like these Pokemon are blue. It's not like all these Pokemon are water Pokemon. What's the significance of the word? Maybe it's a clue to Pokemon stars. Maybe. Pokemon Azul. stars. Only Azul. It's it's just an all-water continent. It's just water world. That's it. Speaking of, <laughs> like, it. is that an 80s movie? Why is everything 80s? 10 out 80s? of 10. No, Enough it's a 90s water. movie, but they're like, they heard Will Anderson say too much water one too many times. We'll give them too much water. All water. Only water. No land. Your shoes are jet skis. Uh, next bit of news here is the Pokemon Company International names Wicked Cool Toys as Master Toys Licensee. So the company is called Wicked Cool Toys. As the Master Toys Licensee for the Pokemon brand starting July 2018. In addition to the announcement the Pokemon Company has announced, it has become a strategic investor. What, what does that mean? This buzzwords in Wicked Cool Toys and will have a seat on the, on the toy company's board of directors. The full announcement details can be found in this press release. Can you so say you that name to... one more time? Wicked Cool Toys. It's great. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that brand, but I think strategic investor means that they have bought a sufficient portion of voting shares that they have a controlling interest in the company without having an ownership interest in the company, right? So ownership is when you have like over 50% of the shares and then basically you can make any decision you want because nobody can vote more than you. Um, But a controlling interest might be like you have 30% of the shares and somebody else has 30% of the shares. So you guys have to like agree on things, but you can't necessarily just make the decisions on your own. That makes so that's sense. That's more of a strategic. I I feel like you could drop the word strategic though and just be investor. That's curious yeah. to me though what they what they'll be doing, what their plan is with that. A little bit more of the press release just cuz this is kind of interesting. I don't know if it states what what toys Wicked Cool has actually made here. I actually just pulled it up and I can okay. read to you some of the brands. Hold Teddy on. Ruxpin is one of them. Hold oh. on. I'll, I'll wait. All right, you hold on to those brands. I got really excited. I apologize. Continue. We got a quote here. Quote, toys are a major part of Pokemon's mission to bring fun and joy of the brand to kids and fans around the world. And we're excited to welcome Wicked Cool Toys to the Pokemon family as its master toys licensee, said Colin Palmer, vice president of marketing and licensing at the Pokemon Company International. Quote, Wicked Cool Toys is a growing company, and we are thrilled to build a strategic partnership with them through both collaboration and financial investment, end quote. And then it went on to say, Tommy, T-O-M-Y, will continue to be a key licensing partner for the Pokemon brand and will produce select items as well as products inspired by the Pokemon video game, such as the popular Pokemon Z-Ring, which interacts with the mega hit, the mega hit Pokemon Sun and Moon currently available for the Nintendo 3DS family. Interesting. It sounds like Tommy's getting the door, though. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it's reminiscent of like, hey, uh, we're pulling in this other person, 
and you guys both do a, a, jo- a good job together, and whichever one of you doesn't, you're out. You're out. Goodbye. Mm. Well, Battle I don't. I don't. Royale. I would bet that Pokemon has no strategic investment in Tommy. Probably not. Did uh, no? Ty did the B me B blues, but ah, the old baby <laughs> blues. In the some be- countries, we call those the baby azules. <laughs> the old Beanababies. I remember <laughs> that those. was Ty. Okay, it wasn't Tommy. I had the wrong company. <laughs> <laughs> so it could also be that it's just that wicked cool toys does different things than Tommy does or Tommy. I've always said Tommy. I don't know. Uh, can we get a yeah, me too. Can we get a voice actor on here to <laughs> confirm? We get a Pokemon voice actor to uh, confirm. Uh, what, what's the list? Give me the list of toys. All right, so they did Teddy Ruxpin, which I don't know if you're familiar with Teddy Ruxpin. What yeah, Teddy yeah, Ruxpin I was I was born in the the nine right. the 80s. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. They did uh they do Cabbage Patch Kids, which is pretty Which I think it's, that's that's a license that they've purchased. I, I don't think that they originally made the Cabbage Patch Kids because well, I'm I don't telling know, you, they're making them no, now. No, no. If there was a company named Wicked Cool in the 80s, they would not have been able to sell anything because somebody would have found found that very evil. Well, Just have Wicked I mean, in your company name? Wicked Cool Toys sounds like somebody, like a kid from the 80s, made it up. <laughs> we got Ex- Extreme Cycle, which I've never heard of, but they have uh, a whole line of MasterChef Junior cooking gear. They make a bunch of WWE uh, like rings and like accessory stuff. They do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... They do My Girl's Dollhouse, which I'm not familiar with, but maybe is a big thing. That's I, There's others, but I, I can guarantee we've never heard of them because they look like somebody made them up. You don't know my toy knowledge. On the fly. All right. You know the wild crats? Y- yeah, yeah. I'm down with the crats. Oh, okay. What oh, about man. The, I used uh, to want to date the Crap Brothers so bad. The, what about the, the original Cat Paw? Yeah, yeah. Friendly yet feisty. That's a real thing that I'm reading. Yeah, that was actually my nickname in high school. Friendly, friendly but feisty. <laughs> what about Extreme Cycle? That's that's cool. It's the X is is like paint, so you know it's extreme. Clearly, uh, 2017's uh, Tech Decks. Yes, there's also they there is they have a Girl Scout cookies product where they it's like ovens. And then you buy ingredients to make the specific Girl Scout cookies in the ovens. It's like Easy Bake, but Girl Scout branded, I guess. All right, I'm, so I'm over that this. Too. There's also Vrum, which I have. It's spelled V-R-U-M. I'm assuming it's Vroom, but it reads as Vrum. Mm. Well, the U's got an umlaut over it. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It does, because the umlaut is the wheels of the, the car that the little kid is driving. And actually, that's going to be uh, next month's Pokemon code. So enter V R U M with an umlaut. Get your get your Mewtwo night, your Bear Tickite. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, you know when Bear Tick Mega evolves, that's the yeah, thing. That's right. Next bit of news here is the Pokemon North American International Championships. Pokemon North America International Championships are the fourth and final international championship event of the 2017 championship series season. This event will also be the last opportunity to earn championship points in 2017. This event is one of the largest 
will take place at the Indiana Convention Center from June 30th to July 2nd. It will feature high championship point payout and a prize pool value of $200,000. $200,000! Based on attendance, anyone in good standing with Play Pokemon can participate. This event takes place in the Indiana Convention Center. It's been there for a million years, minus the one year when they went to Ohio for some odd reason. Badges, entry will, entry to this event will require a badge for all attendees, including com- competitors in the main event and spectators. Children under the age of five will be given a wristband, free of charge, to allow entry into the event space. There will be side events throughout the weekend, Friday through Sunday. See the full schedule here. Follow Pokemon.com live all weekend long. There will be three streams. For the event, a Pokemon TCG stream, a VGC stream, and a mage main stage stream. The live streams will include final matches on Sunday. All right, let's get to the bread and butter of this of this press release here. I do like bread, and I do like butter. You're telling me. Registration for this event will take place entirely online. Competitors... Registration will be open for all age divisions until player caps are met or until 11.59 p.m. on Wednesday, June 28th, whichever comes first. All entry fees are non-refundable. Badges can only be purchased online using a credit or debit card and can only be picked up on site at the event. Cash or payment for badges will not be accepted. You're probably saying, Steve, what do you mean cash payments? I just, I just want to go and... And trade with with fellow Pokemon trainers. I just want to watch some really stale video game uh, competition because everyone will be using the same Ultra Beast. I just want to have a well, good time. I mean, that's not stale. It's just dull. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the bread and butter, so it's stale. yeah, yeah. I, oh, I've okay, I've been okay, told okay. the VGC game is good this year, but I have not invest. I have not watched many competitive players play. But why that? Why there's such this this description of credit cards and and money exchanging hands is because if you are competing in the master division, so these are for like you fifteen years old and up, sixteen years old and up. Both the Pokemon TCG and VGC master division players have to pay sixty dollars in order to play. If you're younger than that, if you're in the junior and or senior division for both the TCG and the VGC, you are paying. $45. All competitors who register will receive a badge, lanyard, player pin, deck box, set of sleeves, and either a play mat or a hat for, for TCG players or a hat for VGC competitors. This was never done in the past, from my understanding, and Will, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when I went to both VGC and TCG competitions, you don't get anything. When I first uh, incorrect. when I when incorrect. I when I first started going, and you can correct me in a second, it was free to play. You just went in, you played, and then while you were playing, they would hand out free prizes. So just by playing, it would be like, oh, seat number thirty-four, you get a play mat, and it's like, oh, look, I was sitting in seat thirty-five. That sucks, but okay, cool. That person just got a play mat. Then when they changed it to like ten dollars to play, you still didn't get anything. Or at least I didn't. And they still did the giveaway thing of like, hey, if uh, table two, seat one, you get a free hat. But maybe that was just the, the how they coordinated those prizes slash gifts. Because clearly TCPI was sending them stuff to, to, do, to give away 
slash do stuff with. I mean, yeah, at local stuff, but I was thinking about the old U.S. Nationals. We got a shirt. You got a free t-shirt, dude. Those things are sweet. Oh, yeah. man, you guys got t-shirts? Yeah, that don't I fit I, I been... got mediums instead of larges. <laughs> Oops. I, That's I the thing with t-shirts bean. is, yeah, they're cool, but you almost never get your size because they only made 20 small, 4 medium, and then 700 2XL. Well, know your market. But, I mean, I could have asked for a large. I just didn't. This reminds so. me of the Simpsons episode where Skinner goes, all right, all we got is extra small and extra large. Well, we're out of extra small. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and we used to get the promo cards, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're still doing promo cards. That, that is, that's not discussed here. Like, I feel like that's a given, but you're getting a deck box, which is great, a set of sleeves, which is great, a playmat. Playmats are on, what, PokemonCenter.com? They're like $35? Yes, sir. And if you got like a world's playmat, remember when, so every world's, they would have a store at world's and it would be like an eight hour line to get, you would have to wait at like 2 a.m. to wait for it to open at 9 a.m. And then when you get in, everything's sold out anyways, but they would yep. sell playmats for like $40 at world's and then they would appear on eBay Moments later for like $300. This is not a lie. So you would either wait eight hours and still not get a playmat at Worlds, or if you were like top 16, maybe top 32, you would get a playmat just for competing. Now it seems like everyone's getting a playmat for your $60, which I think is, if you're competing at that high of a level, $60 I feel like is nothing. But you're also getting stuff, too. So even if you lose all your matches, you're still walking away with what would Pokemon Center sell a $35 playmat. They would sell you a deck box probably for $5.99, and they would sell you a, a set of card sleeves for you know $9.99. Let me finish this real quick. Competitors will be, will be required to provide their name, player ID, some form of ID to pick up the badge. Uh, juniors and seniors must also have a guardian present to pick up their badge. All registered competitors under the age of 18 will also receive a spectator badge and a lanyard at no additional charge for a parent and guardian. Only one. So since it's Mother's Day, just take your mom and leave your dad out in the cold. Uh, the spectator Come. badge will not include any other items. There is a registration fee for spectators as well. If you are over the age of 16, you must pay $15 to even attend nationals. If you are under the age, if you're 15 and under, you must pay $10. Spectator registration will also be online and is limited. Spectator registration will be open until badges sell out. Until that time, they will continue to be available for online purchase throughout the entire weekend. Spectators over the age of 16 will receive three Pokemon TCG booster packs when they pick up their badge. Spectators age 15 and under will receive two booster packs. Get wrecked. <laughs> uh, a registration confirmation email <laughs> sent... And it will require for pickup for the badges. A maximum of six badges can be purchased at one time. Children under the age of five do not need to register. They will be given six booster packs upon entry. No, I'm just kidding. They don't get any booster packs. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, wow, that escalated so fast. And well, I mean, booster packs cost like $4 each. So, I mean, that's, that's what not I was thinking. Three, three seventy nine, I think, at your local Target. If you're maybe at your local Target. Oh. <laughs> at your local Wisconsin Target. They might be $3.99 now. 
If you're a ten dollars spectator or whatever, and you get two booster packs, it's not. I mean, you're and, like and paying two dollars to spectate at that point. Yeah, and my question is, if I'm a spectator, do I can I play in the side events? Yeah, because those are a thing. I'm pretty sure. Yes, that's how it's always been. I know. But is it still? Because they're making all these changes. I mean, $60 to go and play at U.S. Even though it's called the North American International Video Game Championship, it is U.S. Nationals. Uh, that's a lot of money. I mean, yeah, you're getting some goodies, but... You are. It used to be free, folks. You are. And and so we were we were talking about this before the show, and I brought up Dota because the Dota... I don't, I don't watch Dota. I don't play Dota, so please forgive me. I just know Dota from consuming enough Giant Bomb content that it's a big thing. So for the 2016 Dota International, a midweek ticket costs $75, will grant entrance to the first four days of the event. The finals tickets will be $100 and will grant access to the last two days of the main event. Both ticket options can be purchased single or together. Like that is that that is just to go to the international. That that is for spectators right there. Well, they well here's the thing. Like the teams that go to the international, I'm pretty sure they get in for free. Just like if you get enough championship points for worlds, you go to worlds for free. But I'm I'm sure the the tournaments leading up to the international cost money or something to participate in. Right? You're not. I'm sure they usually, do too. Yeah. But I I was saying earlier too that. It's a little bit of a different situation, I think. Yeah, they're both competitive games, and and they're both big franchises, but Dota 2 is like one of the largest competitive platforms in the world for, for competitive gaming. Dota 2 for 2017, its prize pool is $8.5 Holy smokes. Get out there and play your video games, kids. All right, so we're going to start a Dota 2 podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's also, I mean, I guess to me the most significant uh, difference is that the Pokemon, the VGC stuff is geared more towards kids where Dota isn't. And I would think that it would be a little bit more, like, family-friendly as pricing goes. I think, like... but. 10 to 15 dollars to see an event is pretty fam- family friendly not to mention that you're also getting booster packs yeah that's okay i have they had to pay for to spectate previously i don't no. know enough about vgc no this is the this is the first year you're paying to spectate that seems odd to me i mean it just in general because it it's it seems odd that they're charging to spectate but it, then it seems odd that they're offering booster packs for people who pay to spectate because it well like, okay, what are so they paying at that point? <laughs> I think I think I and will feel free to chime in, but I feel like you're paying for responsibility at that point. If I lived in Indiana and I had nothing to do and I had a slight interest in Pokemon, let's go to this place where there's a bunch of Pokemon people and let's walk around an open convention center. I I didn't pay anything, so if I if I try to steal from this vendor or I try to steal somebody's backpack, or I decide to trash the bathroom and I get kicked out. That was my afternoon, right? I, I'm yeah. Whereas, oh, this event costs ten dollars. Nah, I'd rather just stay at home and watch Dota Two on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there have been problems with people stealing things at Pokemon U.S. Nationals. I mean, I had a friend of mine who, like, their backpack got stolen, and they had won a couple of boxes, and the boxes got stolen. And, and I'm sure, really, really like, was... yeah, and Pokemon cards are not cheap. Like, Mewtwo EX at one point was $80, and you needed four in a deck. I find uh, it hard yeah. to believe, though, that $10 is going to stop somebody from showing up and stealing stuff. It, it it no, it provides enough crowd control. It it really does. Just putting that little bit of financial in, in, in what do you want? I must say, not incentive, but financial barrier. <laughs> I mean, it just stops the off the street people. It also probably pays for more security guards. You're getting your money back in boosters, which I think is so. If you don't play the TCG, you're still it. One, it's free advertising to hopefully maybe make you play the TCG. Also, it doesn't cost Pokemon any money to print paper cards. Right. Oh, yeah. The, the, their profit on, on TCG cards, like, they're spending 50 cents to print a pack of cards, including the foil wrapper and everything, <laughs> and making $3.50 off of it. So, so right. while, oh, here's my point. So, while you're, you're paying $15 and you're getting three packs, which, you know, more or less comes to $15, you go, oh, it doesn't seem like Pokemon's making any money, but obviously their profit profit margins are incredible on that stuff and that probably helps pay for more security guards i could see that to prevent you know bathrooms getting trashed it just seems odd to me to go from not charging spectators for years and then suddenly charging spectators and then saying i don't know here's some free packs but like but maybe it's also just as simple as it's it's a it's like like number collecting it forces people to register so they see how many people they're getting to to come. Mm, that that does help too. But it it has actually been a gradual. It hasn't gone from zero to sixty, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they they did gradually <laughs> introduce it. I see what you did. Thank you. Yeah. It, there's a, the the prize pool has also gotten bigger every year, which it just seems like they want people to take this more seriously. And they can't do that at the point of just letting, you know, 800 people come in for free and watch and then walk out. Whereas those 800 people could probably all be fine with paying $10. And hey, that lets us now stream. That helps pay for streaming, which then gets more people to watch, which then gets more people interested in playing. It's the whole, you got to... You got to spend money to make money, and they've yeah. been they've been spending money, and now yeah. they need now they need money. <laughs> <laughs> You're right; that makes sense, and and I think it also uh, for a lot of the parents that are going and taking their kids, they're getting boosters for their kids because they're probably not going to use them unless they play with them. And there's a so lot of that, parents that do. That money is going to something that's also going to the kid, and. It's, uh, I mean, it's not like the parents aren't going to pay 10 or $15 if they're bringing their kid there. So you're right. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's fine. Like, I can't think of any other, you know, e-sport related things, whether that's Dota or Street Fighter or whatever fight, whatever the fighting game inv- invitational is called. Like, that all costs money too. Evo. Evo, yep. Uh, to piggyback off, to, to talk about the side event stuff real quick. It looks like anyone can participate in that, but that side of that side stuff does cost money. 
Uh, if you want to participate in a battle royale, that's ten dollars. Eight person on demand pickups, five dollars. J uh, Junior Round Robin is free. Uh, standard video game format, ten dollars. Battle Royale, ten dollars. VGC Multi Cup, ten dollars per player. Eight dollar on demand pickups, five dollars. If you want a TCG sealed tournament, which I believe is when you get like four or five booster packs and you open them and you make a deck, that's $20. You get to keep those cards when you're done. Standard Master TCG side tournament, $10. So they, they have this throughout the entire weekend. I don't know if you're getting something from the video game stuff. Like I, I know what a battle royale is. It's, it's four people fighting and it's $10. I don't know if you get anything. I'm sure there are prizes. There's always been prizes for that stuff. That 10 bucks may go to a prize pool for the winner. Yeah, I think so. Because if you did, like, what was it, Will? Was it, like, a 24-man or, like, a 36-man, like, TCG tournament? We 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 did it. It was free at the time when we were at Nationals. Yeah. But the winner got, like a, a, like, a full box. Yep. Yeah, the side defense were free, and they had real prizes. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just... Found out that they were losing a lot of money from doing too many free prizes. <laughs> or uh, or maybe they found it's out that, that these side events weren't doing well because they were free and no one wanted to waste time on free stuff where people wanted mm. to pay $5 and hopefully like $5 for a chance to win in a $120 box. Like those are good odds. Yeah, but also we haven't gone in years and maybe like when X and Y came out, Pokemon just became so much more popular that that many more people were coming. Like when we went and it was free, it was it was a manageable sized event, but I, I haven't seen it, right? So it just may have become this huge event that they need to have a little more control over. It could also go. be as simple as they determined that they could put a price tag on whatever and people are going to pay it. <laughs> Can't put a price tag on my heart, Micah. We'll see. If you volunteer, like run events or or whatnot, because they do have a lot of volunteers, they pay you in TCG cards. Correct. Get that. And I'll tell you something. Sweet TCG I, cash. I have recently been looking into selling off my old TCG cards that my like old full arts and stuff that I've held on to, and boy oh boy, have those retained their value. Those things are, are still worth money. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are those from, like, volunteering? No, no. These are just, like, from when I used to play. Will oh, didn't okay. volunteer. I don't know. That segue, I thought nothing. maybe it was from volunteering. If you want Will Anderson, you're going to pay, and you're going to pay <laughs> cash money. Not Pokemon trading cards? I don't Not know. If you, got, if you got a $100 box of TCG cards, you can make $100. Probably with two of those cards in that box. Eh, it depends on your pulls, right? Get a secret rare Rayquaza, something like that. Yeah, but it's a Give full it box. Friend. It's not like open packs where like somebody individually weighed them prior to giving them to you. <laughs> no, you just mapped it and then sold the non-ultra rare packs <laughs> yeah. on eBay. Oh, man. Let's, let's just let's spill all the tea on the, the TCG problems of late. <laughs> Last bit of news here is the Magikarp song. Oh, boy. The Magikarp song titled I Love Magikarp is a song made for I Love Kokensan, a site made in commemoration of a cross between Hiroshima Toyo Carp and the Pokemon Center in Hiroshima. Music is credited to following Japanese name. 
It was released on the official Japanese YouTube channel on July 28, 2016. A dance version was uploaded February 23, 2017 to promote the upcoming mobile game Splash Magikarp. The song later debuted in English on May 12th and was shown on the official English YouTube channel. On the French, German, Italian, Spanish YouTube channels, the song was released with Japanese vocals and subtitles in the respective languages. Now, we don't know much about Splash Magikarp. We just know that it's an upcoming spin-off game for iOS and Android, scheduled to be released in Japan this spring. No word on any other date there. That's why we haven't really talked about it. Have all... I mean, I've seen the Magikarp song a hundred times now. Will and Micah, have you seen slash listened to said song? I watched it at your house, and then I watched it twice since then. Uh, I watched so it good. once on my own, and then I saw you saying very ignorant things about it on the internet, and I decided not to watch it again. Wow. I have said nothing but good things about this. Uh, incorrect. <laughs> you went on now a whole thing the... where somebody said, oh, I like the Japanese vocals better, and then you said, oh, no, I hate the Japanese version because I don't understand what they're saying, and I need it to be in English, and I don't want to hear the Japanese Classic... version. If I can't understand the words, I don't like the song. Classic Will, always being wrong. First off... <laughs> I didn't say I hated the Japanese version. I said, I don't understand why people that speak English like Japanese versions better because you can't understand the words. And my point was, the words are what make the song good. It's not like the music or the animation is selling you on the song. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah, yeah, it is. More or less. That has but lovely music. The why the why the Magikarp song is so incredible is because of how shady it is to Magikarp. It is not. It is so shady. It's very loving of Magikarp. I'm going to get a tattoo on my bicep of Magikarp that says number 1 the weakest because I love Magikarp so much now. Yeah. Thank you Pokémon Company. It's on my body forever. While some people might think the song, you know, sounds better in Japanese because for whatever reason they they think the lyrics are more magical to their ears in a different language. We just had you, that conversation. You don't about... get the the shady the like that shadiness doesn't come through. Like if you if you if you think it sounds better, fine. Like I'm not going to say you're right or wrong, but you're still not getting the the underlying message of how poorly they treat Magikarp at the beginning of the song and then how, like, it turns into, like, this is a love song. Yeah, so see, that's your misinterpretation of the word shade. If you're throwing shade, there's never any love behind it. Though that's the twist! (laughs) (laughs) twist. So it's not shady. It's a loving song. No, it's super shady, and then the twist comes in the last two verses because the third verse says, the pity Pokemon, that's you. Although they think you're worthless, you've won my heart. That's when the twist begins because she stops putting I, him down at that point. I didn't get, I didn't look at it that deeply. <laughs> I got the <laughs> message that I got all the way throughout was Magikarp is garbage, but I still love it because it's cute. And it, it's, it, it's like, it's like when you love something because it's ugly. Like, it's ugly, but it's cute because it's ugly. You know? I agree. I agree. That's like the whole tone of the entire song, 
like start to finish. I don't know where all these twists and turns are coming from, where all this these dramatics. Oh, I but I, I will mean, say I, this. I, I, we had a conversation while we were watching New Japan Pro Wrestling about how there are a, there's a specific group of New Japan fans that don't speak Japanese but prefer the Japanese commentary. And I think it's the same situation here where we don't really understand why. (laughs) Because you can't tell what anyone's saying if you don't understand the language. Is it just like ASMR at that point? I, okay, I, I, I can't. I don't know how like deeply to get into this debate, but you know, I listen to a lot of Vocaloid. I listen to a lot of J-pop. I listen to a lot of K-pop. I do not speak Japanese. I do not speak Korean. I just like the way the music sounds. I can agree with I that. Don't, I don't need to understand the lyrics, but maybe people just enjoy the excitement of the New Japan Pro Wrestling Ibushi Road product, like the the excitement of the announcers. I've, I've never watched it. Do they get excited? Oh, they I, get very excited. Yeah, yeah, they get excited. Here's the difference for me, though. I agree with you. I also like some Vocaloid music, and I like some J-pop, and I like some K-pop, and so on and What's so What's your forth. favorite Vocaloid album? However, they're actually... Uh, I listen to a lot of hip-hop, and there's a, a big boy track that came out recently from Outkast, and he has Vocaloid on the hook for that song, which is amazing. But here's my point. Regardless of whether or not you can understand it or not, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. That's fine. But... If you are specifically picking the, if there if there is an alternative where you can understand it, and you're specifically picking the one that you can't understand, why is that happening? Because I want to learn Japanese through osmosis. <laughs> I don't know that that's going to happen. Would, I, that way. I would assume they're picking the one they can't understand because they think that it sounds better, and to them, they don't care about the words, because like. There are definitely people who listen to music and they prefer the the beat and the music to the lyrics, which I always thought was like that's just my, not my, not my thing. Like I feel like to me, what makes a song good is both music and lyrics. I mean, I guess it's the same argument as why people or not argument, but the same reason as why people will put on, uh, like. V- Japanese voiceover in like JRPGs and stuff like that. But the difference there is that you have subtitles so that you're understanding the game as you're playing it. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure there was subtitles for the, the Japanese version. So it was like the Japanese Magikarp, you know, singing its song, and then there was subtitles underneath. Okay, and well that changes it. I, I'm I'm sure that you still get the message, but I think I personally think the the girl singing has a great voice. And it fits the song really well. And I like the lyrics to me make the song. I can assume it was a boy singing. Maybe maybe it is. I don't know. Who knows? I, I can certainly see wanting to seek out and listen to things like that. Like the Japanese version of something. If it's the like original version of it. Because you want to experience the original version or the you know, the source material and then experience the cover, you know, whatever the translation. But if you have, if, if they're there and they're side by side and I can't understand one, but I can't understand the other, I'm probably going to listen to the one I can understand. Otherwise I won't understand it. 
This is basically the dub versus sub conversation, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. But the difference is that you get you get subtitles with a with a sub, so you can still right. understand. You what's still happening. understand it. <laughs> Look, I've I've, I've I've watched like Pan's Labyrinth, which that entire movie is in Spanish, and so of course, me not knowing. Look, I can't even speak English, more or less another language. So you have to subtitle that entire movie and watch it, and that movie is fantastic. But if they were to be, if they were to like remake that movie in English, I would probably just watch the. Well, I actually probably wouldn't watch it again. I'm like a one and done kind of movie. <laughs> but okay, so a good example is like Digimon, because I've been watching a lot of Digimon. And I've I've seen Adventure One and Adventure Two probably three or four times at this point all the way through, and so when I'm watching Digimon now, I have it in the background, so I'm I'm mostly listening, and I could never imagine watching that subbed, because that would require me to look at the screen the entire time to like read True. it. I feel the same way, and I don't. Yeah, I can't um, knit and watch a watch a, a subbed anime. If you know, you if it's something, both. if it's something that I'm really into, I will sometimes watch the sub over the dub, depending. Like I watched the entirety of Naruto with subs because I found the American voice actors for Naruto to be so excruciating. But that's just personal preference at that point. Like I'm still understanding what I'm watching because I'm reading it on the screen, you know. And and for those that haven't seen the lyrics Japanese lyrics have been translated right to English but the English that we got on May 12th does not match the direct English from the original translation so for example just the 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 first verse if you were to translate just the original Japanese it says unreliable and pathetic it's infamously feeble. What we got was totally pathetic, unreliable, known throughout the world for being super weak. And then the second verse directly translated was, was it very strong long ago? There was a rumor about, but now it's very weak, so tragic. What we got is maybe in ancient times it was really strong, but that's what the rumors say, but they're probably wrong. But now it's so weak, the weakest in the land, so weak it's sad, really, really sad. So you can see that it's dramatically different than the what the Japanese English translates to. So How is it dramatically different? Uh, yeah, I don't different. see any dramatically different. <laughs> was I, mean, I it... used to work as a translator in the Brazilian embassy, and even from Brazilian I mean from Portuguese into English, it, it's it's never easy, dude. Did you ever talk to anybody from Azul? What I'm saying No. <laughs> what I'm saying is they could have just put was it very was it very strong long ago, but now there's a rumor about that, but now it's very weak, so weak it's tragic. They could have just put that up. They could have just translated like that but instead they rewrote the song that didn't meet the timbre of the of the music i'm sure that's part of it too it's right. gotta like match the look i'm not gonna read the entire four minute song <laughs> we get but it it's we very get it. different than as what most it... translations are no all i'm saying is that speaks to the fact that they put work into this they could have just 
straight up translated it, but instead they re- they rewrote the song and then they cast somebody to sing it. And I think it's fantastic. I think it's all great. And I hope that we see more of this stuff because I love it. Who would have thought they would have made a four-minute song about Magic Carp? <laughs> what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. All right, so what we'll do here is we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we got our interview with Joe from Serebi. So we will be right back. Zelda's good. I don't hate Zelda. Zelda's good. Very it's like boring and bad. Zelda's good. Interesting. Zelda's good. Wow, wow, you found me. There's probably a horse at some point. And we are back from our break. I'm here with with Joe, who runs Cerebi.net. Is it Cerebi.com or Cerebi.net? Have you updated? It's it? .net. .net. It's still .net. You don't do you have the this right into questions. Do you not have the dot com? Uh no, some advertising company has it. And I'm sure they're they're wanting like they're sitting on it for a couple thousand dollars probably. Probably something like that. <laughs> but I I'm fine with Cerebi.net. It sounds cooler than Cerebi.com. <laughs> so Joe, welcome back. The last time you were on was I think episode 150. So we're two sixty five, so like three years ago now. Crazy long time. Yeah, you run this. You run this very tiny Pokemon website. Not a lot of people know about it. <laughs> <laughs> but for our listeners, though, maybe maybe two of them have not been to your website. I don't know. Uh, the internet's a big place. Uh, who are you, and what do you do? Okay, well, I am Joe Merrick, and I run well own and run Cerebi.net, which is the biggest Pokemon fan site, arguably, on the internet. I think I can agree with that, right? Like, it's like you and Bulbapedia are like one and two, and sometimes you guys flip spots it, every now and then. Yeah, we're, we're like Neptune and Pluto in our orbits. One time <laughs> one's ahead, the next time the other's ahead. Uh, and so I think a que- uh, probably, probably some questions we've asked before, but, you know, things change. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of people want to know, is Sarah B your full-time job? Is that what you do for a living? Uh, I consider it a full-time hobby. <laughs> I mean, I do do some freelance stuff on the sides, but yeah, you could say it's full time. I mean, I do do it at all hours. Right. I mean, I, I would assume that when Sun and Moon came out, it was more than full time, but probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably that, that now it's a, little, it's a little more chill. Yeah. It's, it's for quiet time. Speaking of Sun and Moon, what? This is such a loaded question. What are your thoughts? Like. From both, you know, the workload perspective of you putting everything on the site and just a, a personal and fan perspective of you being a Pokemon trainer again. Uh, well, workload was crazy. It always is with the main series game. I'm constantly playing it. I'm constantly updating and making sure everything's up there and as accurate as possible, as fast as possible. And as I am just one person, that, uh, that is a lot of work. So I forgo sleep, I didn't go out for a couple of weeks, I just was working on it non-stop. But it was still fun to do. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't fun. Yeah, yeah. Is there, when do you, when you're playing it, 
And I do I do want to know your thoughts on how you enjoyed the game and everything. But when you're playing it, when do you decide? Do you have like a system in place, or do you like come across something and then go, okay, I need to stop now and upload the site, or does the excitement of playing go like, okay, maybe I'll update the site in like five more minutes. I kind of want to see where this is going. Um, I typically just it's when a main series game comes out, I do a discovery thread on the forums. And so everything is put in there and on the main site in a spoiler tag, typically. And so basically everything that is pertinent, basically anything relevant to anything will go up on the discovery thread and major stuff will go up in the spoiler tag. And then once I'm done with the playthrough, then that's when I start making the pages. Oh, okay. So, So you do have somewhat of a system. Yeah. What were your thoughts though on the game as as just as just a fan and not and not somebody working you know seven hundred hours a week to update the site? Oh uh, well, I I really enjoyed them. It was a nice fresh take on Pokemon. I mean, it was nice to have the story as full on as it was, even though it would have, I would have liked a bit more freedom. And it was good to have changes from how it always has been because it has been 20 years and going gym to gym to gym to gym to gym it's a bit it can be wearing Mm -hmm. and so having the trials and the grand trials and everything it was it was a nice change not saying that's how i want the series to be constantly now but it was a nice change and it was it felt to me like a great celebration of 20 years of pokemon yeah so i really enjoyed it so, you know, you you have you have the trials, the game still ends with the Elite Four, you have a bunch of old Pokemon, and of course the mix of new Pokemon. Was there anything that kind of stood out that you did really like that you possibly wanted to see in a future game? And then follow-up question, were there any Pokemon that stood out where you were like, heck yes, this Toucanon is the best? Um, well, I'm trying to think of stuff which didn't sit right with me i mean i don't really think there is much i guess for post game it would always be nice to have a bit more to the post game just like the battle frontier or something like that just facilities which you can just keep playing other than like the battle tree which is just a nature version of the battle tower yeah and pokemon i really liked all the new so many of the new pokemon i mean you've got decidueye that's basically the green arrow yeah can't go wrong with that um, Wishy-washy is a fantastic one. Araquanid's a fantastic one. I mean, I could just list through the entire Pokedex and say, "Oh, that's a fantastic one." <laughs> Speaking of the post-game stuff, I I asked this question on Twitter, and uh, I was going to put it in our news segment, but I figured I'd save it for you just because I, f- I I feel like you'd have more insight on this. But I pretty much asked if people were still playing Pokemon Sun and Moon at all. Now, I mean, we've we're six months removed from when the the game originally lost but 58 percent of people said they're not playing it at all anymore 31 percent of people say they play it at least once weekly and 11 percent of people are said they play it daily uh so what are your what are your thoughts on that does that seem to line up with you know your history with the series of people dropping off six months after or do you think because of the lack of a post game it's more of a drop off i think it's that's pretty much path of a course for every pokemon game i mean game freak have put out saying that based on their research a very very small percentage of people actually bother with the battle frontier when it's in their game and so 
the post game's really for the more hardcore player and a lot of the people who are still playing and more of the competitive kinds, people who go to like BGC events and things like that. So it sounds that sounds about right. I mean, a lot of people just play to the end. They get all the Pokemon and then they're done. Yeah, so it just seems standard to me. Oh, okay, got it. I'm assuming Serebii has saw, seen a minor decrease in traffic because of what the numbers we just talked about, 58% of people not playing at all anymore. Uh, yeah, I was actually looking at that yesterday. I try not to look at uh, stats too often because I get obsessed with numbers and think, oh no, that's down, oh no, that's up, oh no, yeah. that's down, oh god, oh god, <laughs> time to panic. But <laughs> uh, it's back down to um, around where it was when Pokemon Go came out. Okay. Did so... you see, do you get, you know, I- I'm sure you do, but like, did Serebii get a huge increase when Pokemon Go came out or was that, or did It got other... a decent increase. I mean, Pokemon Go is a sort of game where people won't hunt out stuff for on the internet, other than like trackers and things like that. It's not really a game based on needing information, and so people don't necessarily go hunting for it because it's not like you can go, "Oh, I really need a Hound Hour. Where where do I get that? I know I'll go on to Cerebee, like you could with Gold and Silver and X and Y." Right. So it's not really that information focused. There's always a small spike whenever there's an event, and I tweet that out because that gets a lot of traction. Sure, sure. Again, this is this is more website question, just me being curious. But like, so obviously, main series games bringing the most to Serbia, and obviously, you you index everything. You have the Pokedex, you have the moves and stuff. But you report on everything, whether that's you know anime news or spinoff games like Splash Magikarp, or even like you report on like. Not weekly, but bi-weekly, however often they update Pokemon Shuffle. So people come to the site to, for that. Is there, a, is there a point where you go like, I don't know why I'm updating Pokemon Shuffle, like no one's reading this, or or does you know everything you post do well at, at some extent? I mean, there is interest in pretty much everything I do. I mean, the Shuffle tweets and news, that gets some traction, and same with Pokemon Duel. I mean, sometimes it does feel like, oh, I'm, all I'm doing is posting about apps, and that's a bit, you know, disheartening. <laughs> but, I mean, don't get me wrong, but I, I get that's where gaming is right now, but it's a bit sad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I like the full, full-on spin-off games, and having games which are just services with stuff coming every week or every two weeks... I mean, I get it, and it's actually great for me because it means I've always got something to do. But I don't know; it's just a bit disheartening. I, I mean, we haven't had a proper spin-off game since Pokken in March, really, have we? Yeah, because Mystery Dungeon was before that. Super. Yeah, that was in Super September Mystery 2015. Yeah, that's when I covered it. So we we have are are you into these mobile games though? We have Pokemon Duel, Pokemon Shuffle. I guess Pokemon Rumble World was kind of like a mobile game on 3DS. Uh, do you play those? Do they grab your interest? I mean, I, I I know the answer. I know you play them because you're a Pokemon fan, but like, do you stick with them? Uh, yeah, for the most part, I I enjoy them. I mean, Shuffle's a fun game, even though the later levels have really become ridiculously bloated in terms of the hit points you have to take off of the Pokemon. And it's like, oh, they're asking for more and more money or you need to have spent so many hours grinding for it 
And mm-hmm. that's a bit there. But really, I, I do enjoy the spin-off games. I mean, I don't really enjoy the Mystery Dungeon games that much. I mean, sorry to those who like it. I mean, I love the presentation to them. I love this. <laughs> I love the music. I love the story. I just cannot stand that gameplay. But yeah, I, I still play most of the games. I mean, Duel and Shuffle, I play weekly. I mean, Duel, I try to play more often, but like, other games like mobile games it's too random based so it's like there's skill but there's also not skill and that sucks so I, I enjoy them I still play them I mean I look forward to Splash Magic Up because that seems like it could be really interesting yeah with still talking about mobile games it seems like at least you know following you on Twitter you, you're a Go player and it seems like you're still into that yes what are your thoughts on Go overall um, I was really, really against it at first before it came out. I was like, this is a terrible idea. I mean, it's going to be terrible. But when it came out, I was surprised. It was really lots and lots of fun. I enjoyed going out with my girlfriend and with my friends just hunting for Pokemon. Then they removed the tracker. Oh, yeah, that made the Pokemon tracker. That made it a bit less fun. And now they've put a tracker of sorts back with the Pokemon near the Pokestop but it's still not as good as it was mm-hmm. but I, I still enjoy it I still play it whenever I go out I have my Pokemon Go Plus on I mean I'm more of a passive player than an active let's go Pokemon hunting player sure but when there's an event out then I go Pokemon hunting again okay yeah that's kind of like how I- I've been playing it there were rumors and I I don't know if Niantic said this directly but that at one point, Pokemon Go would connect to Sun and Moon. Is that something you've heard of? Is that something you're interested in? And if they can connect, how do you feel about transferring the Pokemon you catch and go to a Pokemon bank or to, you know, a main series game? Right. Well, Masuda, he did say that that was the goal originally. And there, the, my friends who do data mine the games, they have showed me that there is stuff in the game's text for sending Pokemon or items or something from Go to Sun and Moon. And there's a special flag saying this is from Pokemon Go. And there's even, you know how there's like the Pentagon for Kalos native Pokemon, there's the Clover for Alola native Pokemon, and there's yeah. the Game Boy for... Um, Red and Blue. The Virtual Console ones, yeah. Yeah. There's also another symbol which we believe is for Pokemon Go. It's kind of like a G and an O. Can't remember exactly what it looks like, but so I'm pretty sure something's gonna come from Pokemon Go. Whether it's like just say if you participate in a raid and you get Mewtwo, then you can send for Mewtwo to the main games. Whether it's something like that, I mean, it's really hard to tell because the mechanics of Go and the mechanics of the main series games they're not really compatible. And when you've got a spin-off game which connects to the main games. Typically, it's been just you've obtained this Pokemon in the game, send it over, rather than having a Pokemon you've been training in the game and send it over. So I'm not entirely sure how they're going to do it, if that's what they're going to do and allow you to send the game Pokemon over. But I know, I'm know i not against it. It could be fun. It'd make it worth playing more. Yeah. Worth hunting for Pokemon with greater IVs. Yeah, I feel like it's harder to get Pokemon in Pokemon Go than it would be in a main series game. Like, as somebody who still doesn't have a Charizard and has only caught, like, six Charmander, so I'm nowhere near getting a Charizard, Pokemon Go makes Pokemon 
a little bit more rare, even though like you can catch a million Pidgeys. Yeah, but you I mean, could do, do you could do that in red and blue. Out. Yeah, I do wish Fed sort out the like distribution of Pokemon in the world. Like I've no, I've not seen an unknown yet. I, I doubt many people have seen an unknown. Yeah, but so they they need to like spread it out a lot more. Like around here, all I'm getting right now is Natu. Oh, okay, it's like I mean <laughs> I'd play it a lot more if there was a lot more variety. Now I can see why there's not variety. Because it's only up to Gen 2. Once it's up to Gen 7, then I can imagine there's going to be so much variety. Instead of just Pidgey everywhere, we're going to have Pidgey and Starly and Fletchling yeah. and Picky Peck. I mean, that's slightly better. <laughs> Speaking of, of of like traveling, getting out of your house, uh, Pokemon Go or not Pokemon Go, I'm pretty sure I, I'm, I have my information right here. You traveled to the 2016 World Championships, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I went on holiday last year to go to that. It was and a lot of fun. You participated in, in Pokin? Yeah, I participated in the last chance qualifier for Pokin and I got on stream for it and then I got completely destroyed. <laughs> well, well uh, who are who are you who are you using? I was using Pikachu. Oh, okay. Okay. And I'd come up from the loser's bracket and I ended up facing against the person who was the one who put me in the loser's bracket. Oh, perfect. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a good shot here. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about you, you actually being at Worlds, but what, are, what was your thoughts on Pokken? I like you, like you said earlier, this was one of the last spinoff games we got. Uh, it, it's a fun game. It's a really fun game. I mean... It might not be the most competitive fighting game around, but I had a lot of fun with it. I just want more of it. So I, I want the characters which are in the arcade one to be in the Wii U one, or hopefully a Switch version down the line. Yeah, we've said on the show that we, we feel like the Wii U one is, is done at this point, and those characters aren't coming over. <laughs> yeah, chances are there's going to be a Switch version. I mean, no, there's nothing being said other than the producers of it saying that they worked on the switch and it's like oh you've worked on the switch have you we've got game <laughs> so worlds you probably was it, was that your first time in america or have you been here before it was my first time out of the uk oh wow okay so so what are your yeah. thoughts on that and then it was the world is always besides it being in canada it's always been in the u the u.s so no it yeah. might have been in japan one no uh, no, no, I mean, no, it was in Hawaii for a few years. Yes, yes. So first time at Worlds, first time at US. Man, so many questions. Uh, but <laughs> what, are, what were your thoughts? Was it um, was the I, US as TV made it seem to be? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of fun. I mean, Worlds was a lot of fun, even though they had the whole spectator issue, which kind of dampened it for everyone. You remember that, don't you? Yeah. Can you, can you elaborate yeah. on that? Well, I mean, we we I got like the I got I got I saw via Twitter and Facebook and you know hearing about that, but you were there. So what exactly happened with that? Well, basically, because of how the Pokemon circuit was last year, they had so many people invited to Worlds and so many people turned up that they had to not allow spectators into the venue because there wasn't enough room, which is very unfortunate for people who. who 
books in advance thinking oh we can go to this because it's always been free and everyone's been allowed in and when that happened it, it wasn't the best thing to have that happened but I managed to get in because well you know that's for <laughs> pock and stuff yeah but I it, feel like even even if if like somebody traveled x amount I mean what was your flight like 14 15 hours uh, it was only 11, thankfully. Okay, so so 11 hours to fly, 11 hours to spend all that money, and then to get to the door, and then we're going, ah, nah, don't come. Like, I, they did let a, a handful of spectators in. Yeah, each day they let a few in. It's just the way they handled it, which was a bit iffy, because they only told people, like, two weeks before it. Yeah. And that's, like, not really fair to people. Like, if they're going to do similar this year, they need to let people know soon. But since it's in the Anaheim Convention Center this year, then it should be fine, I hope. But maybe they'll have registration fees for spectators like they are having for the international championships. So it might not be free. Yes. Yeah, we talked about that earlier, how it was, uh, if you're over 16, it's $15 just to spectate. And you have to register online. So at least that with that system, they're getting a head count before people are even showing up. Yeah. And that's a good thing, at least. And you get booster packs for it in internationals. Hopefully they'd do the same if they do it for Worlds. Because that could make it worth it. You never yeah. know, you could pull a card which is worth $80. And it's like, oh, sweet. That works. <laughs> so besides, you know, the the spectator issue, besides, you know, getting knocked out at the last chess qualifier, how was Worlds? We have a lot of... Listeners, and I'm sure you have a lot of people that come to the website, your website, that have never been to Worlds or even maybe a Nationals or a Regionals. Like, what was your thoughts on Worlds? And is is that like a destination that Pokemon fans should go to? Uh, well, Worlds is really still a massive tournament. So there's not that much to do if you're not competing in it. And obviously you need to earn your position in it. So... I do wish with Worlds that there was more to do for the spectators. I mean, you can enter inside events and whatnot. And that, that's good. That's good. And I would have done that, but I wanted to watch all the matches. So it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I met a load of cool people. And I was jet lagged. I was so <laughs> jet lagged. It's like on the Saturday, uh, I think it was the Saturday, we were just sitting in watching matches and I... I mean, I'm not saying it was boring. It wasn't boring, but I was just falling asleep because I had still not acclimatized to the time change. It's just because it was like 7 p.m. in San Francisco, and that's what 3 a.m. in UK time. I was just dead to the world. <laughs> How and but, but what was your San Fra San Francisco experience like? Was like American food to you just? extremely fatty and unhealthy compared to european food for lunch on one day i got a sandwich from one of the places at the venue and it was the thickest sandwich i have ever seen in my life it had so much <laughs> meat in it i thought i was just eating a giant pig and i was like that's not how you do a sandwich it was just so bizarre but i ended up eating it all but still it was so bizarre <laughs> sure uh, the and hot, I went the, to the uh, hottest scoops here. Joe eating sandwiches, <laughs> and I went to a, an American diner, which was just down the street from the venue as well, and that was really nice. So 
Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Is is are you are you planning on going to 2017 Worlds or or one was enough for now? No, I'm hoping to go. I mean, I've got a few obstacles to deal with first, but I'm hoping that I will be there. So if all goes well, I will be there. Okay. Have you been doing any local or regional tournaments in your area when it comes to like sun and moon video, sun and moon competition or anything else in that regard? Um, I did go to the European International Championships, which were held in London in December. I did compete in those, but that kind of soured me on competitive for a little bit because it was held just two weeks after Sun and Moon came out. I had already rushed through the game twice. I needed to rush through it for a third time in order to get my for my for fun game because I always have coverage game, coverage game, and a for fun game. Sure. So I had to get my coverage, uh, my for fun game, up to the final bits where I've got all the Z crystals and everything, just so I can properly compete. And it it just kind of gutted the fun out of it for me, and it kind of soured me on this year of the video game championships haven't really been following it as much which really sucks because i was really wanting to get into it now that it changed the rule set it wasn't like nothing but legendaries like it was last year yeah i really wanted to get into it but because of how soon it was after the games it just really killed it for me but i'm starting to get back into competitive i'm actually part of a multi-battle league with my girlfriend and basically we're battling a load of the prominent people in the community like Hoodlum Scrafty, Game Boy Luke, Duncan Kneedeep, Wolfie Glick, people like that are all part of it. And that should bring my competitive love back. <laughs> I hope. And you're you're not you're not a TCG player, are you? Uh no, not really, but I have started collecting it more and more. My girlfriend's a really big TCG player. Well, she's gotten into the TCG lately. She was a VGC player, she like top eight in the UK a few years back. But she's moved to TCG and it's been getting me into it. I mean, I wouldn't play it competitively because that would cost a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's an expensive hobby. <laughs> Even just collecting it here and there, it's like, I've just spent 150 quid. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Switch gears a little bit. We had we had this conversation last week, but uh, I know you watched the anime. Um, yes. I had some of the old anime on and... I was always under the impression, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that the anime is pretty accurate when it comes to Pokemon pronunciations. Uh, <laughs> we've had like uh, we've had Professor Sycamore on, uh, Jake Paik, I believe his name is. Uh, we've had Corey from, what was he from, Hoenn? We've had him on, and both of them went on record saying that because I've asked, right, you have voice actors on, you got to ask, like, how do you say Pokemon names? Does, like, somebody standing there have, like, an ultimate list and they tell you, you know, like, how are the pronunciations? And both have gone on record saying, like, they're very particular in how you say the name when you're voice acting. So, I was like, all right. So, anyways, uh, so I had an episode on in the background and I have always known the beaver Pokemon to be Bidoof. Because it's B-I-D-O-O-F. But the anime said B-Doof. And I was like, oh, I've never heard it say B-Doof. But I, I suppose it's B-Doof, if that's what the anime says. And uh, there's a 
not to, you know, bring up Bulbapedia, but there's a article on Bulbapedia that has, you know, the phonetic way of saying Pokemon names, and it also said Bidoof. What, what, what is your stance on how Pokemon names are said? Uh, well, there's never really been that much of a, um, like, a reference point until 2013 when we got Pokedex 3D Pro out, and that gave us a proper reference point for pronunciations. And I'm not entirely... I, I haven't heard it as Bidoof, except in the anime, because everyone says Bidoof. But let me just double-check yeah. what what that game says. But <laughs> where is it? There it is. Bidoof! Yeah, Bidoof. Huh. Don't know if you heard that. I did, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that I know there's a there's a there's like a handbook out there that you can like buy at Bar- Barnes and Noble that does have like the phonetic spelling and it says official handbook who who knows what, if it's official or not. I guess my question though is like, if you're talking with somebody and they say Rayquaza or they say Rayquaza or they say Sizor or they say Scizor or Bidoof or Bidoof, where's your stance? Like, do you correct the person or do you just like? Hey, it's a Pokemon name. I know what you're saying. Like, where where's your stance on that? For the most part, I'm like, I know what you're saying. But whenever someone doesn't pronounce one particular Pokemon correctly, because nobody really does, <laughs> it, no, just a specific Pokemon, I always bring it up because it's hilarious because it's the most convoluted way of saying it. It's the Pokemon Illumise. I can't even because think- most people most yeah. people would pronounce it Illumise. Yeah. Or Illumise or Illumise, but it's Illumise. That's just the most ridiculous one I have ever heard, and I always bring it up whenever someone mispronounces it. I just say, actually, that's called Illumise. But everything else I just let slide because even though they're strict on it now, there have been so many pronunciations of specific of various Pokemon, like Arceus has been Arceus. Yes. Officially as well. And like there's Tropius and Tropius have both been used. Right. Yeah, and I've heard so, the anime hasn't always been the most accurate, but again, 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 I'd ha- I'd have to ask some more voice actors like, where where are you getting your source material here? <laughs> there is another one which I am kind of set on, and it's Porygon Z, not Porygon Z. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I did hear you earlier say Z crystals. Yeah, I am very British. This is what has to be done. <laughs> Plus, technically, in Japan, it's like Zeto, so Z, so Z. Okay, okay. So, nah. <laughs> Be British, America. <laughs> Be more British. Um, <laughs> you do all the Pokemon news, shuffle, anime, main series game, Pokken. As somebody who runs arguably the biggest Pokemon site out there, do you also keep tabs on other Pokemon fan sites, uh, YouTubers, podcasters, you know, Twitch streamers. Are you watching all those two on top of the news? Or for the most part, you just, you know, you just do what you do and kind of ignore the rest? For the most part, I do keep to myself. I mean, I try to stay away from other websites. There has been drama in the past, although I'm good friends with a lot of website owners now. I mean, there's still a couple who I'm not friends with, and you can probably guess who they are. But, <laughs> but for the most part, I'm on good terms, and I'm friends with a lot of the Pokemon YouTubers. I mean, I try to watch as much as I can, but my time's limited. 
But, and I try to stay on top of as much as possible in the fandom. I mean, I used to not really do that at all. I used to just be me and I used to not pay attention to anything. But recently, over the last few years, basically since we last spoke, I've been getting out there. I've been going to events more. I've been putting myself out there more. I've been meeting people. I've been getting to know a lot of the other prominent people in the community. And I think it's a lot better that way it, because we're a community, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. And so by shutting myself out, I kind of segmented the community and I didn't like that. And I like being friends with people. And so <laughs> so I keep, try to keep on top of everything where possible. Yeah, I think the Pokemon community was so different, you know, five, six years ago. And I've I've tried to reach out to, you know, every Pokemon site, whether that's uh, you or Bulbapedia or uh, Poke Beach or, you know, Poke Jungle. There's so many out there. And for the most part, everyone has been really nice. There's still a couple sites that, you know, why would I want to be on a Pokemon podcast? Uh, okay, you know, that's cool. You don't have to. <laughs> Just... <laughs> wow, that's so mean. Who would say that? <laughs> I would say Name I and know. shame them. Name and shame them. <laughs> I will say that conversation might have been with Poke Beach. I was like, hey, you want to be on? And I was like, why would I want to? Wow. I don't know, man, to talk about Pokemon. <laughs> you do good work. I'm not going to, like, say your site's not great. It's great for TCG stuff. No, I've only had a lot. I've only had good conversations with people in the community. That it's conver- such a nice community. Yeah, that that conversation with Poke Beach was like was like four or five years ago. So I, maybe I'll ask him again. But everyone seems nice. Everyone seems great for like the YouTubers and like like the Twitch streamers and stuff. Like there are there are a lot of big ones out there. Shiny streamers, competitive streamers. Wolfie Glick is is obviously really big when it comes to the video game. I've actually talked and and battled with him at a nationals before. He was uh, incredibly nice. I've interviewed Aaron Zhang, uh, also a, a great competitive battler. For what you do, obviously, as somebody who runs the biggest Pokemon website, have you thought about doing YouTube or Twitch or anything like that, or do you just not have the time, or do you are you just not interested in being on camera? Um, it's really more of a time thing. I have done a few Twitch streams whenever there's been a demo for, for a Pokemon game, like with Pokemon Sun and Moon demo back in October when it came out. I did a stream for that. And like as I said earlier, I'm doing that multi-battle league with other YouTubers and prominent people, and that's on YouTube. But I don't really have the time to be like the other YouTubers and do like massive Let's Plays and research loads of videos and like theories and stuff like that. I really don't have the time for that because the site takes up so much time i mean so many people think oh joe he, he doesn't do much he just rolls out of bed and updates his site and plays his <laughs> games it's like i do so much i have to always be alert i have to always have my laptop with me just in case something drops when i'm out right so it's such hard work it takes a lot of time i mean i don't really remember the last time I actually had the day off. Now I know, I know. With no, I don't think anyone d- would debate that Serebi is is easily one of the first, if not always the first, when it comes to Pokemon news, and that just speaks to the amount of work you do and how dedicated you are. But and I don't, I don't have any specific examples. But let's say, for example, you know, this site, site X Y Z, is doing something better than you. Is that something you consider of like, oh, how they, I don't know, like lay out their Pokemon 
like looks better or hey how they address this shuffle information is better maybe i should adopt that maybe i should change that is that is there anything like that that seems to cross your mind of like i'm going to take inspiration from this because they are doing it right and i want i want serabi to be the best it can be the only thing which is kind of like that is the mobile layout which i've been working on for the last two years i'm so close to getting it right but CSS is just a horrible monster to work with. Anyone who's <laughs> run a website would know this. Yes. Uh, it's just getting it so it looks great on a desktop and it looks great on mobile is always a tricky, tricky thing. Because so many sites nowadays, they go for a mobile layout and it looks like complete on desktop. Mm-hmm. Like, or vice even versa, being... it looks really good on desktop, but it's unusable on mobile. Yeah, and so I'm trying to get the right balance. I think I've got it, but there's just a massive issue, (laughs) which is stopping me from doing it. But once that's done, then the site will load better on mobile and you won't have to swipe it, swipe to zoom it, which I know is a bit annoying for people. Yeah. That's the only thing. I mean, in the past, I had been complacent with how I did things on the site, and that's when Bulbapedia started showing up as started getting popular and that really caused me to just think okay i actually have to put more effort in <laughs> yes and that's when i started doing things like the pokef section and the item database which i have and so many people say what amazing resources they are so i definitely did a good thing so it was good to get a nice kick up the butt right a little competition made yeah. Sarah be better yeah you know, a hundred, a hundred some episodes ago, we talked about a new, a new Serebi, uh and you said you were working on it. You kind of mentioned that you know you're working on a mobile view, but is there is there still a more updated, modern Serebi in the works? And I don't, I don't mean to throw rocks, but some would argue that Serebi looks like a website from 1989. Oh come on, it looks like a website <laughs> from 2004. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> well, basically, the way I see it is website design is cyclical. So in a year or two, my layout will be cool again and people won't care. There so. you go. It's like when you're in it's like when you play Pokemon Red and Blue as a as a 10-year-old and then when you get to college, it's good again. Yeah, but seriously, website design at the moment, the standards for website design is not really applicable to websites with a lot of content. Because it's so hard to get navigation right when you've got a lot of content. Yes, and yeah. And so sites would either just go with a search or they would just have like 12 pages. And for a site the size of Cerebi, which has got like 700,000 pages, <laughs> I need to have specific navigation. I Like the free column layout, I know it's not ideal because you have to search for things. I mean, there is a search on the site if you want to use it. Yes, but- and it works pretty well. I mean, it's Google. You can't go wrong with Google. <laughs> but ha- having things on the left and then things on the right is the only really only way to really have so much content on the site. And I try to make sure everything is findable within three clicks of another page. And that is one of the tent poles of website design. Everything has to be findable with, preferably without a search, within three clicks. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've got on Swarabi.net. And the new layout currently looks exactly the same on desktop. I'm not going to lie, but I needed to get the functionality right before I started fiddling with the looks. Right, yeah. 
you wouldn't want to like make it look good and then all of a sudden all your work on mobile has to be redone. Yeah, and the plan is basically for it to look similar to where it does now. Bit of a bigger font, bit more padding, and that should make everything look fine. Although I did do some tests and bigger font makes it look cluttered. <laughs> so I, I have to kind of get the balance right, and that's the hardest thing. And whenever I start making headway on something, they say, and a new Pokemon game is announced. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, where goes that project? <laughs> right. I guess we'll see it in another six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Cerebi.net is pretty much just me. I mean, other sites, they have a huge team. I, I know Bulbapedia because it's a user-edited thing that has a huge team of staff and it has just fans editing this. But Cerebi.net is pretty much me. I have my friends who data mine which really helps with the Pokedex. And I've got translators and the Pokemon of the Week writer. But everything else is me. When you go to a section like the Sun and Moon section, I have written every single page which is on that myself. Okay. And that's why things might not be updated so fast. That's why if there's an error, it's probably not been caught and people need to email me. This is a one-man show. <laughs> sure. So we, we brought up Poke Beach earlier. Uh, and again, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure he's a nice guy. I do know that he hired some help and they they had a site kind of that was similar to you, that kind of like 2004 look. And then I know he hired some people and they updated their site and it, it looks the way it does now. I think it looks slightly different than originally what he launched it. But have you ever considered like hiring another coder, a back end coder, or even maybe a front end coder just to like help accelerate that project? Um, a couple of times, yeah, but I'm very stubborn. I'm an old man set in my ways. I'm like, <laughs> if I can't do it, no one will do it. Sure, sure. <laughs> Sometimes, though, you kind of just want it off your plate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have spoken to a few people about trying to work out the issue, the issue I've got with the current, with the new layout. But it's basically looking like it's impossible <laughs> with css it's impossible to do what i want it to do so i need to you know recode css to do what i want it to do yes yeah, the site css i'm talking about the language yeah it's it's quite a language it is uh, <laughs> just just a couple more questions here uh we now have the switch uh the, we do. the 3ds is you know 200 years old at this point <laughs> What are your thoughts of this this rumor going around that Pokemon Stars exist on the Switch? It was reported by Eurogamer. That's you know that's people from your country. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think it's definitely possible, but I don't see them jumping straight. To, I mean, I can see them going on to Switch soon, but I can't see them going exclusively to Switch. If they are going to make the jump inside Generation Seven then I can't see even doing anything but having it be a cross-generation game and having a 3DS release and a Switch release. Oh, okay. I, mean, I don't think, I think I've that, ever heard anyone like pitch that concept. I, th- I think that's the only way they can do it, because otherwise they're segmenting their user base, or they're annoying 66 million people who have 3DSs at, compared to the 3 million people who have Switches right now. Yeah. Basically, they have to do this right. I mean, I'm expecting a 3DS game next, no matter what, regardless of if Stars is real. 
Do you do you it, think it, we're getting it, like a third version though? I mean, we didn't we didn't get Z, even though you know people say that Z was being worked on. I don't know if if you had any sources that said differently. Uh, I mean, we got a we didn't get anything I can't for X and Y. That, so. <laughs> Um, we didn't get anything for X and Y. We got a sequel to Black and White. Like we haven't had a third version since two thousand and eight. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible that it wouldn't be like a generic third version, like Platinum was, like Emerald was, because Game Freak wanted to surprise us, and so doing what's expected next would be not surprising us. So whether we've got a third version, whether we've got Diamond and Pearl remakes, whether we've got I don't know, sequel set in Kanto, whether we've just got something bizarrely new in a, in a new region without new Pokemon. I think they're going to surprise us. It's hard to say right now. I mean, I'd like Diamond and Pearl remakes because, I don't know, I'm starting to feel nostalgic about it. Yeah. Which makes me sad because I was in my final year of university when those came out and I was covering them. And that's like, oh, God, I'm nostalgic for when I was at university. That's how old <laughs> I've got. Would you would you want a Switch version though? Like, is that something you'd look for? Like, if 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 they if they did what you said, if they did a 3DS and a Switch version, I feel like you'd buy both just because you'd have to. But would you want it on Switch? Would you want to play it on Switch? Uh, sure. Why not? I mean, it's a it's a portable device, and that's the key thing about Pokemon. That's why Pokemon hasn't been on a home console yet because it would lose the portable aspect with no benefits. So it it would do everything it could do on the 3DS, except it can also be played on the TV. So I'd, I'd be fine with a Switch version. And the images people who, you know, have done stuff which they probably shouldn't have, who have made the games <laughs> render at 1080p, it makes the games look gorgeous, just throwing some new textures in. Yeah. And it would be amazing. I mean, that's another thing which makes me think about it not, moving to switch yet though because people would be expecting like this massive overhaul they'd be expecting oh it's gonna be like zelda it's gonna be like xenoblade chronicles and it's like no it wouldn't it would be sun and moon in high death essentially right. in terms of the engine and that would probably dishearten people a bit see I'm, I'm, i I would love upgrade. that <laughs> yeah I, I'd, I'd personally be absolutely fine with it but i know a lot of people would be saying oh god this hasn't evolved at all Yes, yeah. Which they wouldn't do until Generation 8. That's why before the Eurogamer rumor f happened, I was like, I was thinking, okay, they'll probably move to Switch, but not until Generation 8 in 2019. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. Basically, whatever they are doing next, if they're moving to Switch, they have to be careful with how they do it. They have to make sure they don't cut off their user base. They have to make sure everything works fine. They have to make sure it looks nice. But the models look nice now anyway i mean that's why the games don't run so well on the 3ds the models are too good yeah yeah that was and that was kind of one of my complaints about sun and moon is how can game freak which you know they're not they're not a first party developer but come on they make they make the pokemon games but how can yeah. how can game freak make a game that runs so poorly on the new 3ds like it just kind of boggles my mind that that they could have either, you know, made some changes to make it run smoothly, whatever the changes those had to be, or they had something bigger in mind, which kind of, that kind of always stuck out to me why, like, that Eurogamer kind of seemed like, okay, I can believe that. And, and like you said, it's very easy to turn those models, even though you shouldn't, it's very easy to turn those models into 1080p and make them look great. 
Yeah, and another thing which which makes me think maybe Eurogamer are right about it is the way that Sun and Moon kind of ditches the whole two-screen thing. I mean, it never uses both screens vitally at the same time. It's always one or the other. Yeah. And then there's the whole removal of the PSS and replacement with Festival Plaza and its own weird friendness. I mean, that, if that's not set preparing for like a Switch compatibility, I don't know what is. Yeah. Because it's so separate from how the 3DS would work, and it's so, and it feels like a step back from the PSS because the PSS was perfect for a dual screen device. So that made me think maybe the Eurogamer rumor is correct. Maybe it will be on Switch next. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I trust your word more than anyone's. If anyone knows this Pokemon... This is not a confirmation. This is not a confirmation. <laughs> you heard it here first. Joe from Sammy has confirmed. <laughs> Joe, I got like two more questions. Uh, one is very important. Okay. Why do people take such bad screenshots of magazines and send them to you? Well, they don't really send them to me. I mean, I find them. People who leak Korokoro, they tend to do it anonymously around the internet in Japan. And scanning it is legally iffy. And so dodgy pictures are really the only way to do it. And even then, it's like questionable. <laughs> it's like 2017. We all have cell phones. We all have cameras on our cell phone. Take a good picture, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's part of what makes the hype season exciting, isn't it? That's true. Something about, like, a, a badly taken photo where, like, half the Japanese copy is unreadable. And you're just yeah. like, let me... Come on, guys. I just want to know what this says. <laughs> uh, well, Joe, I think that's kind of all I have for you. Um, unless you want to, you know, tell me your your secrets uh, about, you know, future Pokemon games that I know you know. Uh, I don't have anything else. He, he says I know anything. <laughs> I feel like you have the resources. <laughs> I might. <laughs> but no, I am pretty much in the dark at the moment. All right. Well, Joe, you run a fantastic website. You're, you are, you've always been super nice on Twitter, and every time we talk, uh, I can't thank you enough for being on. No problem. I'm always happy to be on whenever you need me. Well, whenever it's not Pokemon season, because you're too busy then. <laughs> oh yeah, don't, don't, that's, don't come up to me the day after a game comes out and says, Joe, do you want to be on the podcast? I'll be like, no, I'm busy, sod off. Joe, I need, I need the hot scoops now. What sandwich <laughs> should you have in California? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> well where, where, where can people find you? You, you have, you have Uh they have a Twitter. You also have a personal Twitter, so where can people find you? Uh, my personal Twitter is basically Joe Merrick. And you can find me on the Cerebi.net Twitter, which is at Cerebi.net, or on the Cerebi Discord. You can find me on the site. All right, there you go. So, uh, as Joe said earlier, Sun, Sun and Moon confirmed for Switch. Uh, <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> the hottest scoops here. Uh, uh, I would ask you what your favorite Pokemon, Joe, is, but I know it's Celebi. Yes, Celebi, Skyform Shaman, Zygarde Core, Cosmog. Basically, my favorite Pokemon lately have suddenly become those which are, you know, useless. Like Zygarde Core and Cosmog. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, how, about, how about this? We'll leave, we'll leave on this note. What is your favorite Generation 7 Pokemon? Oh, oh. Um, Guzzlord. 
All right. There you go. Guzz Lord. All right. Uh, again, thank you, Joe, so much for being on. When we come back, we're going to do our emails, and then we will do our Pokemon of the Week. So we will be right back. What's up, What's everyone? Up? Welcome, Welcome to the to Travis Podcast. It's Super Travis. What? No. No. Whoa, look at that. Wow. Wow. Is a wet burrito just a first place of the wet burrito? No. Is a wet burrito just a first place of the wet burrito? And we are back from our break. Let's do some emails here. If you have any emails, questions, comments, concerns, you can send those over to sbj at pkmncast.com or go over to pokemonpodcast.com, hit that contact button, and that will get an email to us. First email here is from Joe. Hello, Pokemon Podcast peoples. I am a regular listener, first-time writer from Canada, and you need to know Will has stolen my number one spot on my list of favorites. <laughs> I know I'm like two episodes behind, but I recently listened to episode 261, and I have never related with anyone more than I did with Will on that episode. Will, you are a champ. First off, I feel your pain one Punch Man has left a giant empty void in my soul now that I've finished it. I have already watched it all three times and I want more. I've been told to watch Mob Psycho, which is by the same person, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, maybe you'll like it, though. If you do watch it, make sure you mention how you like it or not like it, I suppose. Also, you guys asked what your favorite Pokeballs are, and I'm also with Duskball for the win. So yeah, there it is. Thanks so much for making an amazing podcast. Also, thanks for Will for being a stand-up guy. Joe. Well, it's nice to have things in common with other people, so I appreciate that. And the actual name of the other anime, I believe, is Mob Psycho 100. I have not watched it yet, but it is on the list. There's a few other anime, pronounced correctly, that I need to get through Hot before... Uh, no. Uh, before Haname? I get to Mob Psycho 100. Please move. Next Somebody letter. Somebody say Haname? No. <laughs> I also look forward to watching t that. Thank you for the suggestion. I loved One Punch Man. There's only one Haname in my life right now. It's, <laughs> it's a Digimon. Digimon. <laughs> uh, Anthony writes in from Long Island, New York. Hello, ISE crew. So first things first, I want to thank Will for advance on which supplements to use a couple episodes when I wrote in. I cannot take the casein before bed, though, because it keeps me awake. So if he has any other suggestions, please let me know. Case, case, casein? Casein. Isn't casein throughout the day? Isn't it the intended use of casein? It is the slow digesting protein, so you take it before you go to bed, so it digests all night while you're asleep, and then you take it when you first wake up in the morning, so it digests all day. Gotcha. Also, Micah, we do hate when people say, oh, you live in Long Island? It is an actual island, so we live on it. 
Rhode Island is just a state, so you live in it. My main I knew re- it. My main reason for writing in today was to address closed Pokestops. On Easter Sunday, my girlfriend and I went to the grandparents' house on in sorry in Rye, New York, like the wow. bread. Wow! Talk about Will Anderson hometown, dude. I grew up in Port Chester. Shout out. We went on it means a nothing to you guys. Go on. Yep, yep. <laughs> we went on a walk on the boardwalk a couple blocks away, and of course, I opened Pokemon Go to see if there was any stops, gyms, or Pokemon. I wouldn't commonly see on Long Island. Every stop that was a store or monument on the boardwalk was closed, and I was confused because it seemed because it wasn't the season to technically be at the beach. But the two Pokestops at the main gate were not closed, which kind of confused me. Why every Pokestop behind the main gate? Why close every Pokestop behind the main gate? Just wanted to inform you guys that it is happening in other areas of the country. Sorry for the longish email. My daughter and I really enjoy the podcast. Shout out to Anthony's daughter. Thanks for all your hard work on the podcast and Mythical. You are all my favorite, by the way. SBJ a little bit more since the podcast wouldn't exist without him. Anthony. So I'm surprised because the boardwalk at Rye Playland, which is what he's talking about, um, you that never closes. I When I was in high school, we used to go there like during lunch in the middle of the winter and hang out. So... Like, it's not, I mean, it is in a park, and technically it's a public park, but it doesn't close. Uh, I mean, it closes at night, but not during the daytime. So that's really weird that the Pokestops would have been closed during that time. Like, Playland Park is closed, which is a, a amusement park, but the boardwalk part is always open. It's where they filmed big. Well, I'm throwing out all my facts all at once. I appreciate all of the facts. Yeah, I don't know. I was there, I was there the night they filmed that part of big. Um, really? That's a story for another time. Oh, man. I need to hear that story another time. I don't know why why it would be closed, but it is good to hear that, you know, Milwaukee is not the only one city in the world where things are oh closing. Where things are closing. I listened to 60DB, and they actually had an article on uh, about the Milwaukee parks shutting down and closing the stops and everything and the lawsuit that's going on. So it's becoming more national. You're going to make national news, dude. Is it not local man? Local man (laughs) addresses Pokemon Go and has a podcast. Is it not common everywhere else outside of Wisconsin that parks close at a certain time of night? No, no, they do. They do. Okay. But the whole whole thing about the the lawsuit in the city and everything trying to tell uh, Niantic to close down the stops, that part is making national news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Centennial Park in Atlanta. When I went, that closed at ten. But there were that was that was like the first two weeks of Pokemon Go, and there was still hundreds of people in the park after ten, and they didn't they didn't care. Breaking the law. We didn't talk about this in news, but with the last Pokemon Go update, there was some recent changes to the API to make it. I don't I don't know how to word this without being like wrong in some extent. Pretty much it made it seem that Niantic is setting up the platform that Pokemon Go is based on to license that platform out so that other games could do what Pokemon Go does. Like a couple months ago we heard about like a Harry Potter Go. Ah with recent changes to the API, it's like more obvious that that is what they're getting ready to do. 
So to go back to Will's story about how Milwaukee will continue to be in the news about this is because if Niantic license out the platform to other companies, there will be more AR games, which would then go back to them continuing to fight with Milwaukee and probably other cities and states. Right. It's only a matter of time when something does as well as Pokemon did, Pokemon Go did before there's a million versions of it. I'm sure Niantic would love to make money off a Harry Potter Go and just absolutely license that to somebody and just take 20% or however much they take and continue doing what they're doing. Uh, this message is from Henry from Irvine, California. Hey, SBJs. And others just wanted to say how much I like your podcast, and I have a couple questions. One, what are the origins of the podcast? And two, what Pokemon remake would you like to see? And three, what is your favorite game on Nintendo Switch? Travis is my favorite. SBJ is close behind. Hashtag Travis for good. Henry. Will doesn't have a Switch. Uh, Correct. Michael, what's your favorite game on Switch? I real quick just want to point out that that was a call out to a hashtag that we that we made on Twitter where what was trending was hashtag travel for good and I misread it as Travis for good and I'm really happy that somebody remembered that. <laughs> uh what was the question? Favorite favorite game on Switch. Mario Kart right now. Zelda is my favorite Zelda of all time, so I feel like that's probably going to be my favorite Switch game for a very long time. Uh, as a Switch owner, I also enjoyed Zelda. I am currently playing Puyo Puyo Tetris, which is a superior game compared to most games on Switch, especially a game called Mario Kart 8. Let me rant real quick about this. These games came out the same week, one being brand new, unless you imported it from Japan, the other one being a three-year-old game, one being $60. And also three years old, one being brand new and thirty dollars. Why did people make the wrong decision in life and not I get a, Puya Puya Tetris? I had a really hard time justifying buying Mario Kart after I went on a Twitter rant saying pretty much everything you just said and more about how terrible of an idea it is to buy the game. And then I got about a week into launch and I bought it. Look, if, yeah, if we talk about week. If, Let if, me tell you <laughs> how uncomfortable it is that it displays me playing that game to all of all of my Switch friends that I'm also friends with on Twitter that probably saw that Mario Kart rant. If Mario Kart 8 fixed the online mode and like made it easier to make groups and to drop in with friends and like to set up parties, that might be worth Which another is- purchase. Which is what I'm assuming is going to happen with their paid online service in the future. I'm, I'm not assuming my that. I'm assuming that service will be a complete disaster. Uh, you're probably right. My, my justification for buying it was that Mario Kart 8 is such an incredible game. It's really good. This is the same game, but with the community reinvigorated. Because the community on the Wii U is dead. And it's well, not coming back. But I've played all those races a hundred thousand times. You're right. Doesn't make it less fun though. <laughs> I mean, it's if they were one of the big, the biggest turnoff for me was like the not fixed online play. If they were at E3 to say, "Hey, 
we're releasing 16 more tracks for Mario Kart 8. I would consider purchasing it for those tracks because I loved that engine so much. Yeah. But to pay $60 for a game that I, I, I've played, probably easily my most played Wii U game was, nah, maybe Monster Hunter was my most played Wii U game. But don't get me wrong, I love Mario Kart 8. I just don't see the, I don't understand the disconnect between people wanting more things to play on Switch and wanting more games and then completely not buying Puyo Puyo Tetris. Which is $30. You've never played it unless you've imported it from Japan. And if you imported it from Japan, you clearly really like Puyo Puyo Tetris that you'd probably buy it again. Puyo Puyo Tetris has a complete story mode. In like my defense. Story campaign. It has Tetris. It has Puyo Puyo. It has, it has a combination of Tetris and Puyo Puyo. It has <laughs> online play. What do In you- my defense. I also bought Puyo Puyo Tetris. Because it's a good game. It's so It is an incredible good. game. It's uh, very good. I'm so frustrated at the, the, the Switch community. If you bought Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, spend the $30. Get Puyo Puyo Tetris too. It's worth it. You already spent 60 bucks on a game that already exists. It's going to be fine. I would have bought a Switch if my tire hadn't exploded. I'm I'm sure all those... (laughs) I'm I'm really sorry. (laughs) I'm sure all those people who bought Mario Kart to begin with bought the $20 worth of extra tracks. That's $80. I paid $80 for that game. Heck, if I'm going to pay another $60 for that game. And don't don't tell me, oh, Battle Mode's worth it. No, Battle Mode is not worth $60. No, I don't think so either. If you were to say that the, the online is fixed, so I could enjoy Battle Mode without... 2006 internet that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is based off of. Uh, maybe. But the Spoiler fact that you alert. can't party up easily. It. So angry. Uh, and I'm going to bet that they're not going to release any DLC for it because if they were going to do that, they would probably just release a new Mario Kart. Because they know people are going to pay for it. They paid $60 for a game. I paid $60 for a game that already exists well i mean they they ported the engine like it's it's completely up and running on switch i can't imagine after that it's it's hard to make more tracks yeah but they would just put it in a new in mario kart 9 why wouldn't they you know because if it's mario kart 9 it would be a completely new engine no why would they do that because every single mario kart has a completely new engine this they isn't Splatoon 2 the same engine for a million years where they add one new gun and they go it's a sequel mario kart has always had a new engine every single... If they're doing that with Splatoon, why wouldn't they do it with Mario Kart? (laughs) Because they haven't done it for the last eight games. Seven was dramatically different than eight. Yeah, it was a DS game. (laughs) No, it was a 3DS game. DS was completely different than whatever. Yeah, you're right. They're all different. And I like that about Mario Kart. Except seven. I didn't like seven that much. But I'm saying... DS was good. Mario Kart 8 always feels like a sequel. Because it's it's different enough, whether that's the drifting or the items or the tracks or it's different enough. Whereas like Splatoon 2 is literally Splatoon with dual pistols. That's all you get. All right, we got a sequel. I think you and I might be the only two people in the world that are not excited for Splatoon 2. <laughs> so bitter. 
How do you feel I've about no Splatoon 2? Oh, that's okay. We, right. The three I mean, of us I, I can like play Splatoon, Splatoon 1, 2 together. So. I wanted to like Splatoon 1. I, I've invested a lot of time into wanting to like it, and I just couldn't. I My biggest gripe was that it took four hours to play a new map. I've heard that they've reduced it to two. Why that exists at all still boggles my mind. I mean, that part didn't really bother me. That really bothered me. <laughs> Anyways, we don't need to go on a Splatoon. We'll, Splatoon. We're getting we'll, off topic here. We'll complain about Splatoon when it comes out. All right, let's do a couple more emails here. This email is from Jordan. Location on holiday in Kefalonia from the UK. I don't know. I don't know if I said that right or where that is. Hi, Steve, or, or whoever he has with him. I've been listening to the podcast for two years. Thank you. I'm a massive fan of the show and became a Patreon backer at the beginning of the year. Thank you again. I wanted to keep my email short and sweet. I think you guys do a fantastic job. The podcast brightens up my somewhat dull Monday mornings. Let's get this out of the way. You are all fantastic, but Will is my favorite. He has helped me out with a few questions I post on Slack, plus his constant need to correct Steve is very amusing. I don't know if that's true. One, so one, my, my one question, I have no shame in admitting Charizard is my favorite Pokemon. I got into the games at Generation 1, so I have a special place in my heart for this dragon that isn't a dragon, unless it's Mega. But as we are in Generation 7, should I take a step back and leave my Generation 1 feelings behind and pick a new Pokemon? Anyways, keep doing what you're doing, Jordan. Uh, so let, let me get one thing out of the way here. Will is almost always wrong. <laughs> That is wow. so not true. Wow. That's so not true. This is what I love about Will, though. I'm going to call out Logan here. I was very mad at Logan last week. And the reason being is because we had that debate about the contest. And, and Mike is here now. Maybe Michael will want to chime in. And what, Logan, what do you want from me? Logan, for the most part, agreed with me and had every opportunity to express those opinions, and he didn't. Instead, he was like, I don't like debate, guys. Let's move on. No. You're, Logan? Man, I love hot Logan debate. Logan doesn't like it when mom and dad are fighting. I yeah, love and, hot and, debate. And, and, and Will and I are mom and dad, and we fight all the time. And I think that is one of the reasons why I love Will, because I don't think I've ever actually been mad at Will. <laughs> mm, I don't think you're right there either. But... Mm, I don't think I've ever, like, like I... I would say the same thing about Micah. Like Micah and I get into the dumbest arguments, but oh, I don't man. think <laughs> I don't think he I'm, did. I don't think I'm ever actually mad. It's just like this was dumb, and then five minutes later, I'm like, "Hey, you want to watch wrestling?" <laughs> you sent me a very stern email in January of 2013. I sent you that stern email because you were not talking to me. That was the well. reason. Oh, these we're getting <laughs> to the deep cuts right now. I remember that. <laughs> oh, I remember. Man. I remember everything. Uh, Mike, a hot take on contests: Should people do it or should they be paid? I'm uh, what for what? You can't just you can't just throw me into this. <laughs> All right, last week for contests. Last week, somebody wrote in. Maybe it was two weeks ago. I can't even remember. This two is, weeks this ago, this whole podcast is so hotly debated. <laughs> somebody wrote in and said Pokemon should do a contest. Where people draw Pokemon, a new Pokemon, and then Pokemon picks a winner. Oh. And Will said they should. And I said no. And Logan also said no. So thank you, Slack, for not acknowledging that Logan also said no. Because he did. 
Uh, and that's why I'm mad at Logan because he he could have he could have expressed himself more, but he chose not to get into mom and dad's argument. And my no was because Pokemon is a billion dollar company, and I don't think it's fair. And while it's by choice for a a person to enter a contest, no one's forcing them to. I still don't think it's fair to take for have those to have those artists spend the time to make a Pokemon and then to only pick one and then they don't get anything for it. And you can say, and there was no cash value to this contest, but let's just say they get like $10,000. That that still doesn't reward anyone else for their time. And I don't think it's, even if there, if there was no money or if there was money, it's still a fact of a billion dollar corporation taking something you made and will continue to make money on it for the rest of Pokemon's lifetime because as we know Pokemon will outlive uh, Earth and so any plushes any t-shirts any movies uh, Pokemon in games anything in spinoffs like it's just weird to me it's weird to have something a person would create and seeing a company that's already worth billions of dollars continue to make billion not billion they probably won't make billions off one Pokemon but maybe millions off plush sales and action figures and movies if you made you know Cora Coramon and you know it's on the cover of a movie you're not seeing any of that money after the contest you're not seeing right, royalties from that i got a couple feelings about this i'm going to make them as brief as possible the the artist in me immediately hates that the freelance artist in me immediately hates the idea because i hate when companies that aren't billion dollar companies do that I hate that when a shop down the street says, oh, we're going to have a contest and whoever makes the coolest logo, that's going to be our new logo. That's a cop out. What you're trying to do is get art for free and get a logo for free without having to pay your artists. Don't do that. That's a really bad way to do anything. The illogical person in me loves that idea, though, because there's something that I have I have art friends who have participated in something called the Monster Project, which is uh it's a basically an art gallery that where uh or a collection of art where kids will draw monsters, not pocket monsters, not Pokemon. They'll just draw like digital monsters. A monster Digimon. that they make up in their head. They'll you know how kids will just draw like the craziest weird monsters they can think of that have 27 horns and 18 eyes and a million arms and whatever. And there are all kinds of colors and it's great. They'll take those kids' drawings and they'll distribute them amongst professional artists, professional illustrators, and then they'll make those into actual professional illustrations. And then they bring them back to the kids and show them to them. And the kids absolutely love it. I think from the perspective of kids seeing their Pokemon that they made up in their head turned into a real thing and being able to play that in the game, they would absolutely love it. But that would only be like one kid. But I also think that it sets a really bad precedent by saying, uh, hey, do our art for us, and don't we, that way we don't have to pay for the art. Thanks, guys. You saved us some money. There was a, a person on Twitter, a law firm, a Milwaukee law firm, we'll say, and they posted, 
hey, we're looking for a new logo and the winner will get $25,000. And the only thing I could think of was, why don't you just hire an artist and pay them Yes. How pay them an hourly wage for a logo. Like there are so many talented people out there. Why do you need a contest for I've done logo design. I know Micah does design. I know what I charge for design. I know roughly what Micah charges for design. I've hired people for like the illustrations that we did, the the the, the profile illustrations. Like, I paid an artist for that, and I paid them an hourly wage. So I know what that costs. Even if you were to double, triple that cost per hour. Heck, quadruple that cost per hour. Quadruple that hourly rate. It still does not come anywhere near $25,000. Correct. So why are you hosting a contest to give somebody $25,000 for a logo when in reality... You could pay somebody four times the amount they charge, and it doesn't even come close to that. What you're doing is you're getting a whole bunch of logos put in front of you for free, and then what you're going to do is you're going to have somebody that you know slightly copy somebody's logo, and you're going to pay them like 100 bucks. And you're going to say, well, the winner was so-and-so, but you know, there's no proof. We can't prove that was the winner, but they're going to say that there was a winner. That's right. I mean, even if they don't, like, even if, they, if they're not that shady about it, they're still going about it in the worst way possible when they could just hire a designer full time or have a designer on on call for any design work that they might need and it would cost them a lot less than just throwing 25 Gs at somebody to to make them a logo because they're too lazy to to uh you know hire somebody it's it's a mess i've seen that handful of times though where like even small businesses will be like hey design us a logo and the winner gets that's our logo now if you're a business you should factor your branding into the cost of your business and if you don't you're a bad business (laughs) will you got any you were on the side of doing the contest you got any follow-up? Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 a different it's a different perspective. I mean, I completely agree with with Micah, and you know what? It may be actually becoming a um like a Tom's shoes kind of issue, right? Because you you've seen the the whole what is it? Adam ruins everything about yeah, yeah. Tom's shoes. You want to do the too long didn't read for Tom's? So basically, uh, the people in the countries that are receiving the shoes for donations don't really need shoes, and you're just putting the cobblers in those countries out of work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So you think you're doing a good thing, and yeah, shoes are getting donated, but you're actually hurting people. Yes. So, so I don't know, but I mean, just overall, the the idea of a contest is fun, but the meta you know, philosophical behind it of whether it's morally good or, I mean, I, I don't believe in morality, but general for other people who do, uh, <laughs> if it's morally good in the whole length of the universe to have such a contest, well, maybe not. But this, this, still, I think it's fun to draw pictures and have fun. This would be my compromise. My compromise would be that you enter... So you have a contest. This is, like I said, this is my compromise. You have a contest of, we want a fan to make a Pokemon. 
you submit your portfolio to the Pokemon company. And whether or not you need to, you know, design some Pokemon or do some art to fill out your portfolio, you know, that's on you. But you submit your portfolio and then they look at everyone's portfolio before people are doing hours and hours of work. And you go, I like that person's portfolio. Let's fly that person out and let's have them design a Pokemon. That way you're not making thousands of people make Pokemon. And then all of a sudden you're looking at a thousand different hodgepodge Pokemon and trying to pick one. Instead, I've got an even better idea instead you're looking at somebody's talent and their range and scope of ability of like, oh, like look at these six pieces you did. Like, oh, you made it, you did a building, you did a person, you did a monster, you did uh fan art of Bill Nye the Science Guy. Um <laughs> you have this range uh instead of just like one Pokemon that might not have fully fleshed ideals. And so when you pick that winner, they can work with that winner to actually fully flesh out something that's just more than an image. So, so here's an even better idea. I think the Pokemon company should identify all the different kinds of work that they need done and then put like on a website like little mini contests of all the different kinds of work they need done. And then people submit like a little one page description of their life history of the kind of work that they can do. And then the Pokemon company will look at those and say, well, this person has done this kind of work in the past. So that means that they can do this kind of work. And then they like fly them out there or they make them pay for themselves to fly out there. And then they just pay them like every two weeks to come and do the kind of work that they need to get done. Because it's called a job. You could call it. You could call it pocketmonster.com. No, they use a different uh, hiring site, but whatever. <laughs> I also, I also like the the concept of, hey, this artist did these six Pokemon, instead of like, hey, this artist just did one Pokemon. I would love to see an entire generation, an, a spinoff game that is just children's submitted art for created monsters that they then took and turned into actual Pokemon. No, because then those Pokemon are forever. Yeah, that's Ever. fine. This is what I would want. Call no, it, no you, this would be get, better. This is better. You get this is 100 better. Pokemon drawings from children. You like have professional... Pokemon? No, new Pokemon. Nah, just I'm not made up Pokemon that. Nah. that kids made up that they drew, they drew with crayons on paper and they look terrible and they look ridiculous and they look hilarious and they send them to the Pokemon company and the Pokemon company has their professional artists illustrate monsters that look exactly like those but good professional art and then you put them in their own game called Pokemon Kids version and no. it's its own generation. No, no. It's a spinoff. Micah, 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 they already did that. It's called Yokai Watch. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, As a big fan of Yokai Watch, I'm very offended right now. The burn meter is just out of control. Uh, I would rather just have kids draw a really terrible current Pokemon and just see like a really deformed Pikachu in a game of that would like, be good too. like how they did uh how they did Kirby's the Cran Kirby. Whatever or maybe it was a, a Yoshi. The Yarn Kirby? Excuse me? Grand Kirby? Grand Kirby. Wasn't there a Kirby or a Yoshi game that was like in Cran instead of Yarn? I'm pretty sure there was. Uh, but I would like to see that, but with badly drawn real Pokemon, not no made-up Pokemon. 
Uh, we should have read this email before we got into this debate. <laughs> but Jackson wrote in and said, Alola, SBJ and crew, it's Jackson, Jackson back with another email. I was pushed to write this after the last episode where you guys got a heated debate about Pokemon design competition idea. I myself strongly agree with Will and think that these artists love taking time to make these Pokemon designs and would love it even more if they could actually get some benefit from them. I don't know what the benefit would be besides it being just existing. No, um, no, no. Have and, some self-respect as an artist. I'm mad. Anyways, Keep I don't want to get into this uh, too much. I want to know... I want to know the top five Pokemon you guys would like to see a Mega Evolution slash New Form slash Evolution. Love the show. Can't wait for the next episode, Jackson. I don't, I don't think we need to debate about the contest anymore. Like I said, I probably should have read no, that prior. <laughs> All I'm asking is if you're an artist, have some self-respect for yourself. That's it. If Just you value wanted to yourself have some more. self-respect, Micah, you'd get a reasonable job like being a banker. <laughs> hey, a Micah, banker? get a real job. Exactly. I wanted to be a banker. Uh, Micah is a freelance artist, so you know he struggles every day <laughs> to put food on the table. Not a real job. No self-respect. Not a real job. <laughs> not a real job. Uh, top five Pokemon you would like to see Mega Evolution slash New Forms. Uh, my default Farfetch. I would also go with Bear Tick uh, to piggyback off that uh, Ursa Ring. Pretty much if it's a bear Pokemon, I want to see a mega form. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say Aerodactyl, but he already has one. Yeah. And it's, it's okay. Vespaquen. I'd like to see. It's, it is Vespaquen, by the way. We, we debated about this. I looked it up. All right. It's only Vespaquen because they couldn't fit more letters in there. <laughs> um. Like how for alligator is missing an E. <laughs> They just keep asking this question over and over again, and it's like, eventually we'll just go through all the Pokemons. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Rabombi? Can I get a Mega Rabombi? Why not? Yeah, That'd be yeah. cute. Uh, Mega Florges, I think. Sure. Pretty much just flowers uh, for you. Yeah, Mega Sylveon. Mega Vileplume. Mega Granbull. Nah, I don't like Granbull. Mega, I just said Mega Granbull. Mega Delcati. How about that? That's, that's a not a fairy type. That's that's a Pokemon uh, people don't think about. Delcati. Mega Klefki. There you go. Got my five. Wait, is Klefki a fairy type? Yeah, it's fairy steel. Okay. Thank goodness. Okay. I got my Mega Gengar. Give me a Mega Mimikyu. Because, you know, it's, it's Micah. It's your boy. Uh, Mega Raichu. Shout out to uh, PKMN cast April Fools circa what was that? Will Brendel did that. There we go. Did that piece. fantastic. That yeah. Uh, notice how he did that art for free. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Heated debates. Heated debates. You don't know if I paid Will or not. I was yeah, just making Will. an assumption. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm bad at, I'm bad at megas. I'm bad at like picking megas. Does Blissey have a mega? <laughs> I like how you're asking us if Pokemon <laughs> have megas. Uh, no. Mega Blissey. There you go. For Mother's Day. Shout out to Mother's Day. Oh yeah. It's still Mother's Day. Man, I feel like we've been recording for hours. Uh, <laughs> we have been. If you have any, <laughs> that, that'll wrap it up for emails. If you have 
if you want to, you know, make us argue as we do week after week, you can send your emails to sbj at pkmncast.com or just go to pokemonpodcast.com, hit that contact button. We'll get you there too. Or send a message and ask for the P.O. box and send snail mail. Send the snail mail. I'll never not promote snail mail. Here, I got I got I got the snail mail address up. P.O. Box 26181, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53226. There you go. It's also on the Patreon page. It's also on PokemonPodcast.com somewhere. I messed up Pokemon of the Week this week. I originally was like, hey, we should do Porygon 2. And then Slack was like, you guys already did Porygon 2. We're going to go with Galaspod, even though I am not a fan of doing Generation 7 Pokemon, mostly because there's not, there's not like trivia about it, and that's kind of my favorite part of Pokemon of the Week, in my opinion, is the trivia. But since we messed up and uh, didn't, have, didn't have enough time to get uh, a fl- fleshed out moveset, because people made it for Porygon 2, and we already did that, we go with Gallspot here with an assault vest, adamant nature, 252 HP, 252 attack, 4 defense, emergency exit ability, with the moves first impression, leech life, liquidation, and then your last option being uh, sucker punch, poison jab, or aqua jet. Kevin writes, Gallspot is a slow heavy hitter, but has an amazing type and great moves. First impression does a 90 power base damage and it goes first, but it can only be used once until Galaspot switches, which can work with its ability. Liquidation is a straw is a solid stab type water move. Leech life is also stab and heals him. Last move is for flexibility and coverage depending on your team. Uh, he works well with with Pokemon such as Oranguru, because they are slow. Alternatively, somebody who hits hard and fast like Salamence can lead and lead the charge with Galaspod and clean up. So Salamence, Oranguru, uh, two good choices to use with Galaspod. There you go. Sorry, I'm not Travis and giving you a little more in-depth, but I think that's all right. I feel like, I feel like that covers, covers the bases there. You did great. Thanks. Galaspot, if you didn't know, is a bug-slash-water-type Pokemon. Only ability is Emergency Exit, at least listed here. I believe you're correct, as far as I'm aware. Galaspot is like this like light green uh, and a shiny one. It's more white with blue highlights instead of green highlights. And uh, little to no trivia, but Galaspot may be based on a giant isopod and its armor of a samurai. Galaspod may be a combination of Goliath and Isopod. Hmm. That's all I got. Let's, let's read its Pokedex entry. That might give us something. Uh, from Sun, while flashing slash, with a flashing slash of its giant sharp claws, it cleaves sweet water or even air right in two. And then from Moon, it battles skillfully with its six arms, but spends most of its time peacefully meditating in caves deep beneath the sea. Interesting. Yeah, I thought I think those kind of flesh out Galaspod a little bit better. I wouldn't have taken Galaspod for a uh, meditator. Y- you know? Think they use Headspace? Yeah, Headspace or Calm, I would assume. 
That's our way to get a Headspace advertisement. <laughs> For nine ninety nine a month, you can also be like Galaspod. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we got for you guys. Let's uh, jump over to some house cleaning. Clean the house here. Start with Patreon. So I updated the Patreon rewards last night. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash it's super effective. There was a twenty and twenty-five dollar reward that are uh, that are now gone. Instead, there's now a sixteen dollar reward and a new twenty-five dollar reward, uh, and they uh, involve addre- uh, shipping addresses. So, if you are an old, if you currently were backing at twenty or twenty-five dollars, I would suggest switching to the new twenty-five. Or, like, if you were backing at twenty, probably go down to sixteen. And like, you're already being generous enough. I, I'm not. I didn't change them to like try to pry more money out of people. But the sixteen dollar oh, a month, I mm-mm. uh. So we're gonna do a contest, and <laughs> uh, so the the sixteen dollar a month uh will include uh some snail mail since that's been a recent talk. So uh you'll get like a you'll get a monthly letter from me, handwritten, and uh my goal is most months those will include stickers and buttons inside. Because uh, I have a lot of variations of stickers and buttons, and I usually try to order some before a con or when I'm going to a Pokemon event. So uh, I always have different kind of stickers laying around that uh, I wanted to start giving to Patreon backers. So besides a handwritten letter, you'll get some stickers and buttons uh, each month. And then for twenty five dollars, uh, wanted to do like a Google Google Hangout slash you know group video chat, whatever seems to work with a set amount of people. Uh, with obviously backers at that level. So, and I'll probably do two or three of those at the end of the month because I would assume that not everyone can make the same time. So, just to make sure that people at those backing at those levels, you know, get the actually get the rewards, uh, that's the goal. Also, the 25 gets everything below it. So, you'd also get the stickers and buttons every single month, too. So, just some new Patreon rewards and just a, just a big shout out to everyone that does support us on Patreon. Uh, you don't have to like just listening to the show is is just awesome enough. Just means a lot for people who listen and the people who write in and and if you do have like a dollar a month to throw our way, it's just really really appreciated um, and not necessary. So that's what I got there. We have a subreddit, reddit.com/r/supereffective. Uh, what else? What else we got? Will. Um. I uh, uh, PKMNcast at Twitter. Is nah, that po- something we've got? Pokemon Podcast on Twitter. You did it. Oh. PKMNcast on Facebook. Putting you on the spot. Uh, Micah is at Micah the Brave. <laughs> Will is nope. at what? At Micah the Brave. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no I idea. know what I'm talking about. Will is at Washing the Sink. I am at Dragging Lake. I didn't tell. I didn't tell the Dreamsicle story. Should Maybe I tell you it? You should tell the dreamsicle story. What is a dreamsicle? That's oh, the real boy. The, this, this, this will. Uh, we'll, I'll tell the story now because we'll see if people make it through house cleaning. And it is house cleaning related because it made my bed dirty. <laughs> so I, I have told this story a couple times, and and Mike has been around. Mike has been around one or two times when I've told it, and he's he's laughed every time. So hopefully he laughs again every single time. This I don't is know. one of my favorite stories of all I don't time. Know if, I don't know if Will's heard it, but I told it, I slightly told it in Slack. 
That's why there's now a dreamsicle emoji in Slack. So Irene, she has an addictive personality when it comes to... Also, Will has this too. Will used to eat an ice cream sandwich before bed every single night. Why do you remember everything? <laughs> Wait a second. Why, though? Is there like some... Is there some life hack that's, that's that the goes story. along See with you this? guys later. <laughs> Not before bed, but I used to have an ice cream sandwich every day, yes. Is it just to like treat yourself, or was it like there was a life my, hack that you... My one little treat for myself every See day. See, that, that's beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel like because of that instance, Irene started having like an ice cream sandwich every day before bed, and then it moved, and then it like switched to like uh, those freezy pops. She would always have a freezy pop before bed. And then it, it, it switched over to a dreamsicle. And if you don't know what a dreamsicle is, it's like a popsicle, except popsicles are ice, and a dreamsicle's ice cream. And it's, it's orange and vanilla ice cream. Is that? Yeah, that's how you, you describe it. Yeah, it's it. like an orange dream. An orange dream. The, like, the drink. It's that in ice cream form. So Irene would have a dreamsicle... Every night before bed. She doesn't do that anymore. I think she's on to a new, a new favorite food before bed. And so Irene also has insomnia. So she has trouble sleeping. So she takes sleep medication. Uh, and her sleep medication takes anywhere between five minutes to like an hour to work. Uh, but for the most part, it, work, it, it does its job, does what it needs to do. So I, 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 don't, I normally don't go to bed with Irene. I usually am up to like 2, 3 in the morning every single night. She has to get up way earlier for work than I do. So she usually tries to go to bed around midnight. I also do a lot of house, house cleaning at night. Uh, I also clean my house at night, usually <laughs> before I go to bed. So it's like 12.30 in the morning. I just finished probably playing some kind of game, probably Destiny or Final Fantasy fourteen or something. So I was like, I'm going to go upstairs, get some laundry. I'm going to do like a load of laundry before bed. And I walk upstairs. And again, Irene takes sleep medication. So all the lights are on in the bedroom. And she is <laughs> laying in bed with a dreamsicle with only one bite taken out of it on her chest. And she is fast asleep. <laughs> <laughs> And, and been... surely melting on her chest, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how long she's been sleeping. But she only got one bite of this dreamsicle, so it couldn't have been very long. So I wake her up. So I shake her, and she's like, what, what, what? And I was like, you're sleeping with a dreamsicle on your chest. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I was like... <laughs> love that she apologized. <laughs> I was like, you need to throw this away or, or eat it or something. Luckily, it didn't get on the sheets or anything. And she's like, sorry, sorry. So I, I fill up my basket with laundry and I go downstairs and I, I start the washing machine. Then I come back upstairs to get like another load of clothes. So this like five minutes have passed, right? Like, you know, I have to go to the basement, load the washer. I probably got something to drink. I probably went to the bathroom. It's been a couple minutes. I come back up. 
And she again has fallen asleep <laughs> with a second bite of the dreamsicle. <laughs> Still on her chest. <laughs> and so I wake her up again, and I'm like, you, you still have the dreamsicle. And she's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, Poor at, that, at that point, she went downstairs and, and disposed of said dreamsicle. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not one to oh talk. I, I sat on a pizza before. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. Very true. <laughs> uh, but that's that's one of my favorite Irene stories. I have it's another. So good. I have another Irene story, but we'll save that for next time. So if you've made it through house cleaning, you have now heard the dreamsicle story, and you'll you now will understand why there is a dreamsicle in in Slack, a dreamsicle emoji. Uh, shout out to Irene. Shout Be out. Best. Shout out to Irene. Uh, that'll the dreamsicle end, <laughs> in all of our hearts. That'll end our show for you guys today. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please tell a friend about our podcast. Tell, t- just tell your neighbor, just tell your mother about our podcast. Uh, even if she doesn't like Pokemon, there was plenty of, uh, happy mother's days at the beginning of the episode. And, uh, also if you haven't done so, please leave us a review in iTunes, but that should be that. That is our show for you guys today. And with that being said, this has been another episode of the Pokemon podcast and we are... Super Dragon Coasters. What? Dreamsicle Squad. The, no, the Dragon Coaster is the roller coaster at Rye Playland where the boardwalk was where that guy from the letter was talking oh. about. Effective. Effective. You think they hold contests for their roller coasters? They certainly do. <laughs> Just wanted to give a big shout out to Wally. You can check him out uh, over at drunkontacos.com. And if you want to be part of the shout-outs at the end of the episode, you can jump over to patreon.com slash it's super effective and sign up for the producer tier. But again, a shout-out to Wally. You can check out his stuff over at drunkontacos.com. 